It takes a lot to turn an idea into a business. Yahoo Small Business has everything you need to start and grow your business. Get online for free. Visit www.yahoosmallbusiness.com. Talk Recorded live. Black Power, Black Power, BB48, Mahat Hotel. Welcome to Feet on the Ground Radio. It's your brother born. Come to get it in Think Tank Thursday. You know what he do. Excuse the little tardiness. We in a little late today. Had a couple things going on, running, running, running. But we're here, and let's set it off with praise now. Turner, glory to Garvey, long live the spirit of Dr. Khaled Abdul Muhammad. Praise Harriet Tubman. Glory to Ida B. Wells, long live the spirit of Sister Fanny Lou Hamer. What it do out there tonight, family? We coming to get it in tonight. You know it's uh, Think Tank Thursday, and we read it. You know what I mean? We read it. It's our regular study group day to day, you know. So we're going to do what we got to do. Uh, we're going to get it in with our brother Chancellor Williams. We're dealing with the destruction of black civilization. So we get all the family up in here real quick. I know they know we was running a little behind time, but it's all right. See, uh, right here. Yes, indeed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me see. Let me see. Let me see. Let me put that in real quick. Well, y'all can share that how y'all want to. Uh, do that in the back room. But, yeah, it's been kind of busy today. We got a lot of different things going on out here in the community. I caught something earlier today, though. Didn't know that there was a, uh, you know, a lot of things they put out through the whole community. And a lot of things that uh, Africans that's really not, I would say it's some things that this the newer African community just don't are uh, just not involved in as much as uh some people. A lot of things are so integrated that we don't we just basically overlook them or leave them alone. Uh today was the uh was October our October or something to uh, that nature where they had a large contingency of people come out in New York, do a little, um, they had a protest in New York that was uh, pretty large dealing with the murders of the victims of police uh, aggression, a lot of assassinations that have happened in our, in our uh, assassinations that have happened here in the wilderness in North America. So that's going on right there. We just, you know, they were just looking back over that. Um, it was very interesting. But like I said, it's a, uh, a very integrationist type of uh, a lot of these, a lot of these uh, organized marches, protests, and meetings, a lot of, a lot of them are integrated, are integration-centered, Programs are, are run by basically run by uh, Caucasians, set up by Caucasian programs. So you know when we see a lot of our people get together, and it is in the uh, guise of striving to get justice, or at least letting their voice be heard about things that affect us. Um, a lot of times we are bombarded with Caucasian feelings of angst, or just Caucasians watching us, and a lot of times our people are. Uh, Get in a situation where because we have so many 
Not right now. Not right now. Brother Boone, I don't know how I'm going to be able to hold myself back because, you know, first thing which I shared with the family on here is that he going to have to apologize for disrespecting the master teacher, uh, Francis Crest Wilson, calling her uh, pseudo when it came to melanin, not citing where uh, this doctor with degrees is supposed to be pseudo at and throwing that out there like that. And then me finding out, because, you know, I'm not, I haven't been up on that shit like that in terms of all of these uh, radio shows or shit like that, finding out that he even had the, you know, Elder Queen up on the show before. So that's grimy. So I, I don't know how I could hold myself back without saying that. Oh, no. But it, it, it needs to be said. We're not going to not let that be said. <laughs> I'm glad you know you, and 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 you you mentioned that before, and I um did you I I wasn't privy to see that because I, I I haven't seen them I haven't seen that, but I know you know what you're talking about. I know you're not just making that up and not flying by with that information. I'm saying because I post that in the hangouts. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna check them. I'm gonna check that. You know, I'll be on the grind. I'll be on the grind. There'll be so many things going on in the hangout, man. We got one of the liveest hangouts, man. Good lord. Just called in. What's going on? Oh man, we just we just setting it off. We just setting it off. I mean, I was a little late getting in. You know what I mean? Try, uh, you know, we just setting it up, setting it up. I was just telling the sister that I got, I had um, the back, the the back line had called in because we were going over the destruction of black civilization. Um, you know, the beast, the beast says, "Look, man, y'all got to get me to make sure you hit me." When soon as y'all come on, so I can get up there with y'all. That's my favorite book. Even though niggas, they, they, even though you know, even though it's the favorite, you know, sometimes people don't they slight some of that favorite work. But that, that's about it, family. You know, we were ready to get it in, ready to get it in. I would like to share, you know, I've been listening to y'all early programs, and y'all have uh, been uncompromisingly African out the gate. And, in fact, um, y'all had Bistro on uh, one of these shows that I've listened to um, yesterday, in fact. And um, y'all were dealing with uh, the destruction of civilization. And, um, you know, some of y'all was reading out of the passage. Bistro was, but born you was. Mikarai, you was on there live. 
you know. So it's interesting to see how he has, in my opinion, this is my opinion, um, metamorphed into what I'm seeing in 2015. Yeah. And uh, some things change, some things stay the same, huh? You know, it's the signs of like some things change, some things stay the same. Yeah, you, Brother Cause, uh, Brother uh, Rahe Rule, Mikura, yeah, y'all have not changed. And black power to y'all. I, I, I say, Queen, you know, that's, that's all team effort. Let's do the good checks and balances. A lot of checks and balances. You know, that's the only way anything can run good is checks and balances. Nobody can be that much bigger than anybody else. That you can't get checked. No one's never outside the scope of getting checked at all. But with that being said, though, uh, we will advance into our into our literature for tonight. We're going to advance into the literature for tonight. We'll make our advance into it. We'll we'll jump right into our chapter seven. As I say, you know, we came on a little bit later than, than normal, doing a couple things uh, out in the community. We're just trying to stay busy. You know, all the family out there is staying busy. But with, with, that, being, with that being said, um, I know we prepared. I know we prepared. Is there anything that I um, definitely want to, uh, you know, just throw out there before we get into our session? Well, I would like another point. I'd like to give a shout out to Sister Maat for uh, Queen just gave birth to a healthy daughter, her and her king, and 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 her uh, her son gave birth to a healthy uh, granddaughter as well. So I want to give a shout out to Sister Maat and uh, my little my little sister as well. Well, my baby sister's going to drop another load any day now. You know what I'm saying? We we add into the African uh, army daily. So I just want to put that out there. She you know what I'm saying she she had her uh, a daughter, first daughter. And I had her first uh, granddaughter as well. You know what I'm saying? So, shout out to Sister Maat for, you know, holding her, you know, on the battlefield. You know what I mean? Her used to rock out, still rock out in, in the field of anthropology. She out there, folks, you know, she she mastered up now already, you know, in that class, so putting it down. So, you know, she ain't, she ain't been on in a while, but she's still she's still putting in her work. You know what I'm saying? No, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, definitely black not. Black power. Still putting in that work. That's black power right there. No. What's up, y'all? This is Makia. I just want to say black power to everybody before we got started just speaking. Oh, all right. Black power, Mr. McKee. Right now, Black power, Queen. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah, now, Brother Mecca, you guys say you got another June June coming in, too? You got a little nephew coming, another one, nephew or niece coming in, too? Yeah, she carrying the boy, too. Yep, so, yeah, you know. <clears throat>
regarding what he's using when he's using political terms to identify their political system, but they're just being just fake imitations like you just stated regarding because the politicians in the House representative Senate, they don't live in the communities that they serve, and that's the, one of the big Marauding groups such as the Haga, 
Mangoni added to the turmoil and disorganization. It is quite clear that the waves of blacks that spread over Africa as these migrations came mainly from the area where black concentration was greatest, and the attacks on that concentration preserved relentless. Hold up. And the attacks on that concentration preserved relentlessly. This area of black concentration of population was the ancient Ethiopian Empire, which I have described as the heartland of the race. The motherland with a civilization that despite the Asian invasion still included all Upper Egypt in 3100 B.C. and extended southward over the Sudan across Abyssinia. But everywhere the people from the birthplace of black civilization wandered, they found almost without exception people had people already settled. Some having preceded them by decades or centuries, and others who had been there according to their ancestors' stories since the beginning of time. Such, for example, was the tradition of the Keep and the Kwa people in Central Africa. The intertribal wars and the intense tribalism that developed from me from them are among fateful outcomes cited in connection with the migration. I have stated a number of times that inevitably there were non blacks in the migrations as they were in one way or another. Integrated with hold up, hold on, let me read that sentence again. I have stated a number of times that inevitably inevitably there were non blacks in the in the migrations as they were in one way or another integrated with Africans and participated with them in other developments. This meant that there were always a number of predominantly black groups with some Asians and mulattoes who were as loyal to the race as any black. This is the kind of fact that blasts any attempt to indict a whole people or put them into a single category. Human beings simply refused to be generalized into neat categories. In ancient times, and even later, there were Caucasians who regarded the blacks as superior people. The question about inherent inequality, they would have thought absurd to entertain. The Greeks, who seemed to have studied the advanced civilization of blacks more than any other white people, were first among this group. They were therefore always Caucasians who were affectionately drawn to the blacks as by some magic. When recognized as genuine by the blacks, the esteem became mutual and such Caucasians became an integral part of some black group. These were not the Caucasians, Asians, or Westerns who infiltrated black society for domination and future conquest. These were the Caucasians, albeit a small minority, who stayed with the blacks and fought shoulder to shoulder with them against their own kind, retreated with them in defeat, and not all of the mixed breeds, whether Afro-Arab or Afro-European, deserted the blacks for the whites. For while the majority did cleave to the race of their fathers, the devotion of the minority to the race of their mother seems to be so spiritual in nature that it more than overshadowed the white worshiping half-white. Guy Tyler. And migration as the culture declines. And you see, our brother here at the end, he's speaking on Caucasians and uh, mulattoes, mixed breed, uh, in terms of camaraderie. And you know, we have to we have to put all these things into context for the place and time that they existed. So the existence of this camaraderie that he's speaking of in antiquity. 
It's something that now in this date and time is something that has been unheard of. You know, uh, it, you know, so uh, we just take that into account as that's history, you know, and just uh, vibe with that. But is there anything anybody want to add on to this uh, first section of Chapter 7? All right. Hold on. All right, family. Let me get this drink back rocking. Well, you know, I appreciate that history. I just want to say that, you know, that may have been the case then, but, you know, the Mayafa have happened. So I'm not trying to hear nothing um, in relationship to the descendants of those that participated in the horrors of horrors of our people. You know, yes, slavery was occurring here, 7 um, AD. Um, and that is also a horror of horrors. And I understand at this time there was so-called uh, some that would, as he mentioned, a small group, and that's significant too, that um, participated uh, shoulder to shoulder with our ancestors, and that there were some groups of our people that allowed them in, not saying all, but there were some. Uh, it means, you know, nothing to me in this day and time in terms of uh, integration. And I, I just want to say that because, you know, uh, too much has occurred, too much blood has spilled. Um, there are things that occur that can never be forgiven. So uh, thank you for letting me say that. Bye, Paul. You know, you just want to stay with the work. You want to stay with the work, with the, you know. Um, would somebody like to move on to white scholars as authority, or do we have any other comment or question about that first section that we just read? No? All right, then. Well, um, you know, we'll, we'll move on to white scholars as authorities. Uh, who, would, who would like to take on that section right then? Family out there. Uh, all right. All right. Um, white scholars as authorities. And what has all this to do with migration? The answer is almost everything. Much of the history of Africa has been written by anthropologists. They have written it within the theoretical framework of their own ethnology. And historians and others have relied almost entirely on their classification of people. The usual claim that the discipline is a science is made despite the amount of peer guessing that characterizes its conclusions. Racism is so obvious in most of the anthropological uh, biological findings that one may wonder how, if they hope to maintain the fiction of being scientific, it could escape their notice. It has been suggested that their bias does not, in fact, go unnoticed, but that they are so certain of the favorable reception by the white audience to which they address themselves that what others outside of their world think is a matter of little consequence. 
These ladders do not supply the millions that support their African studies. The main thrust of their finding is to make African um, Caucasian from the beginning of its history and to give the blacks not just a subordinate role, but no significant role at all in their history. Hence, their great emphasis on the Caucasian identity of this or that African tribe, and two, failing that in a highly advanced all-black situation where no such classifications could be made to allege Caucasian influence is one way or another. This record does not require debate. It meets the eyes in most of the books by these Africanist experts. There should be no confusion over Negroid types or Caucasoid types where there was such a widespread mixing of races as was the case in Africa. As elsewhere from the earliest times, it became even more ridiculous when it is established that certain Caucasians have Negro features without the benefit of having any Negro blood. And conversely, many of the blackest of the blacks have physical characteristics which are supposed to belong to Caucasians only. In the line with their presumptions in taking over the continent and reordering its racial Composition, the anthropologists and their historians' followers have declared that the true Negroes, like Africans, are concentrated in West Africa only. With one wave of the magic wand and their all-powerful scientific hand, they change the biblical um, story that the black race descended from Ham through his son Cush. The plain fact that the land of Cush was ancient Ethiopian itself and that the Cushites were blacks was simply ignored, and Cushites were reclassified as Caucasians. Whites and half-whites who were allied with black groups and migrated with them are singled out as the determining elements and whether whatever the groups achieved even the planting of crops and irrigation techniques that the Asiatic Caucasian who are known to have settled along the northern and eastern coast of Africa, even in prehistoric times, are now being presented as the indigenous inhabitants that archaeologists would find crocodile type centuries old in any of these areas should be taken as a simple matter of course. Nor would I think it surprising if excavations discovered Caucasian skeletons several thousand years old anywhere in Africa. The same unshocked attitude is maintained when Negroid types were discovered on the British Isles, and indeed Negroid remains have been found in other places in Europe in distinct lands where no blacks are known to have lived. Okay. Okay. Not to mention the millions known to have settled outside of Africa. Therefore, instead of postulating a theory of history 
that on the basis of a few skeletal remains, a whole people inhabited an area first, it would be more sensible to conclude that members of this or that race um, certainly had visited or settled in the area and long ago, some dying there away from their own native land. But suppose they did come as, as permanent settlers, such as Dutch and South Africa and the British and Rhodesia. The the whites um, of South Africa are not waiting for the certain verdict of anthropologists and historians in their favor. They already claim to be the original inhabitants, Sam George Peter Murdoch and his school proclaim that the Africans came into the land later. A thousand years hence, there will be no, um, was that the earth of Caucasus remains in Africa. Oh, hold right there, wait, hold, hold right there, Queen. I can take that whole, that ain't even a chapter, that's a, that, that whole section right there, and chop on, we stroll a little whole little shit up right there. Why the fuck would you name your show after the destruction of black civilization and you ain't even reading your book, nigga? Then they just find new species. Then they just find new species of hominin. Where they find it at? South Africa. Who's doing all the interpretation of them hominin bones? White Calvinists. So when that nigga says that he he's he's writing word for word page with page with white anthropologists, white archaeologists, and white historians and so-called black historians who are working for white historians, you you still take the bait that we savages that couldn't produce no civilization. I'm sorry, sis. I just had to, you know, emphasize that. That whole section right there. I will chop them things up right there. That, that whole section right there. The same thing I was, I was thinking as I was reading it. You know, he's telling you that basically, you know, they whitewashing the, the history. You know, everything that they get, they whitewashing it. So for you to go and to take their work and, you know what I'm saying, and try to try to teach it to us as if it's as if, as if it's fact, especially after you read this book, that's straight up bullshit. But um did anybody else wanna comment and bro boring? Black power to both of y'all. No, I, I wanted to say this real quick, and I, I wouldn't say that it's a whitewashing of this information right here. It's a savaging of our civilization, because what they do is lower what our civilization is, and they whitewash the history. But this part right here is they're sad. They, 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 they're introducing savagery into our civilization, or, or, or some animalistic type of thing. Or, or it's a degradation. That's why I say it's a degradation of our civilization that they're doing right here. They don't think they whitewashing it. They just degrading it. They whitewashing it because because they place the anthropologists only place the emphasis on barbaric cultural practices, scarification, cannibalism, oh, and well, uh, I've been corrected. Thank you very much, Mikarov. That is correct. That is correct. I've been corrected. I stand corrected. I said. See, they play a role. They they play the role in convincing you. What is a society? What is a culture? Yeah. Now, they can't go anywhere else because if they do, the timeline won't support it. Mm-hmm. So they have to go to Africa. They hate that. That's, that's why I always, you know, I use, I'm going to use, I'll use Chester Williams. Fuck, you know, because niggas say what they want to say, but nigga, you, you can go into a rant all you want. Prove it. 
nigga, I'm, I'm, I'm refining. We, we're refining ideas of elders. I, well, we can prove this shit. I can prove this shit. You feel me? Yes, sir. The, the labeling of, of Bantu tribes. When the nigga, when the nigga, when they get on there and they get to talking about Bantu speaking languages and blah, blah, this and blah, those are derogatory terms given to African tribes by Europeans. What did Chancellor Williams say when the system was just reading? They classify the scheme that the darkest individuals in Africa all come from West Africa. Did, mm-hmm. did you read that section right there? Uh-huh. All West Africans are called Bantu-speaking people. Look it up. They did the same thing in the Americas with Native Americans. They classify an uh, 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 area is in the southwest region of America, and they gave them the name Anusazi and Pueblo. Pueblo Spaniards. There were no Spaniards there in this part of history. I call those historical landmines because they create those terms, and you'll never get past those terms to find authentic history from the people, written by the people. The minute the minute you say Bantu, you're talking about white anthropologists defining African cultures in West Africa. I, I, you know what I'm saying? If, now, I can tell how you describe Bantu-speaking people and go into particulars. I say, okay, okay, okay. He, he sees the scheme that they're running. Or she sees the scheme that they're running. Well, for you to go right with the lie, to go right with it, you'd be regurgitating line for lie. Like Chancellor Williams said, his opening thing. Uh, 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 the, the, the worst is the, the so-called black scholar who only regurgitates biblical sources. Yeah. Education is mainly vote learning. The ability to memorize key phrases. Key phrases that are given to you by them, but you never question the shit. You never, you never, you never looked at the history and how it's important to you from an African perspective. You just ran with it, or oh, because they said Africa's in it. They'll use Africa in a savage way, like Brother Bourne said, to promote them as being the architects of civilization. So they place emphasis on the most, uh, uh, uh yeah, Brother Bourne said about the most savage cultural practices. Scarification. Those cultures that emphasize nakedness while they're out there in the in the bush. You see what I'm saying? Something that's completely opposite. Something that's taboo. They they created that they created they placed emphasis on that as being a study. Mm-hmm. Motherfuckers got a whole study on shit that's taboo. That they created. Anything that they don't do is taboo. They got a whole science after that shit right now. Now, now, can you can you read the title again of the chapter and that 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 uh, uh, bullet that the sister is reading? Can y'all read that again so niggas can know where to find that and see the context of what she's writing it from? Uh, white scholars as authorities. But, like, for people that don't have a book, I did put the uh, link in there. So, what's, the, what's, oh, what's the title of the chapter? That's the bullet you was reading, right? Oh, oh no, I didn't, I didn't do the chapter. I did the um, little portion I read. Let me see. Let me go back. Because I'm not, I'm not looking at a book. I'm in a PDF file, so I got to. I can't turn to the page. Okay. Chapter is, um, chapter 7. I got it. It's chapter 7. Yeah. It's the scattering of the people, routes to death and resurrection, or roots, or roots to um, death and resurrection. Now look at this. Now look at the emphasizing points he's making in chapter seven. Migrations as a cultural decline. That's what you just read, right, Brother Bourne? 
Yes, sir. Reading white scholars as authorities. Then he gonna go into the Saharan tragedy. Then he gonna go into ethnology and migrations. I'm gonna say this before we even start reading that shit, and I love it because it's page 187, which means murder. I'm, I will kill Sinjeti with this chapter alone, as being a fucking so-called linguist. He don't know what the fuck he's talking about. He do not know what he's talking about when he's talking. The Baptist speaking people, and he and it, he, he 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 places Hebrew speaking peoples right along with Bantu people. He agrees right with Europeans or the migration patterns and so forth. That didn't even start off. That first lie didn't begin with them being Hebrew speaking people. It started off with them being pastoralists because they were trying to see where the fuck the uh, 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 what was it? Uh, the goat. The goat is not. I think it's either the goat or a certain one of them pastoralist uh, uh, stocks that's not indigenous to Africa. I think it's the goat. I think it's the goat. One, one of one of them. I might be. I might, I might be wrong, but it's either the goat or or, or a certain kind of uh, calf that that pastoral pastoralist is the motherfucker who don't live off the land in terms of finding food naturally. They they they, they use cattle. They you know what I mean, and they they they, they migrate. The goat. Yeah. Yeah, I think it was goats. Goats are not indigenous to Africa. They brought them in. So you have African pastoralists who raise goats. You can make a connection where they got that influence from. And you can make that influence connection right with this chapter. Because what's what is the scattering of people routes to death and destruction. We're going to go through a death and destruction period and come out of it picking up using some of their cultural patterns. One of them is going to be pastoralism. Watch me. Go ahead, sis. I'm sorry. Uh, sure. uh, did you want me to continue, uh, brother? Yeah, yeah, you didn't. Um, did you finish that chapter? Did you finish that uh, paragraph? Off? Uh, yeah, oh, I finished the paragraph. I mean, I just referred to George Peter uh, Murdoch. Um, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Uh, did you get to to the end where it said not to the non-African? I thought I thought make a caught you in the middle of that paragraph. I'm oh no, I went to him. How, what was that sentence again? I was at the end. Oh, oh okay, okay. Mm-hmm. Well, um, uh, well, we can we can move on. Somebody else can start reading if, uh, if they want to. If not, I'll I'll jump right I'll jump right back on it. But um, we got a couple paragraphs before we get to the to the next subsection. With inside this paragraph, this is a high tragedy. Um, would anybody like to pick up from where Sister Gmir left off? I'll read a little bit. All right, please do. Thank you very much, brother. I just referred to George Peter Murdoch. Although these discussions, I have been unsparing in my criticism of Caucasoid scholarship at various points. I have, in effect, accused them of the subtle thievery of the achievements of an important division of the human race. Deliberate and unconscionable. To understand the basis for this criticism, one need not match my labor by writing through over a hundred books of them. One good example of all that I have been saying in this connection will suffice. That example is Murdoch's Africa, its people, and their culture. For here is another one of those works which is replete with all the trappings of profound scholarship bearing as all such works invariably do, the marks of scientific objectivity. Yet from beginning to end, 
Murdoch maintains his central theme. Africans are not, in fact, Africans. Black civilization was not, in fact, black civilization. Countless peoples thought to be Negroes by many, such as Bushmen, the Maasai, Kushites, Pygmies, even the Bantu, etc., are of Caucasoid origin. And while his own accounts of migrations often contradict his main thesis, this I suppose he dismisses as simply unavoidable. He was at his race's best in a, excuse me, in a spacious and rather amusing argument that attempted to prove that even the Asmazians were not black. Is it not significant that so many white writers spend so much time and energy trying to make this or that person or group non-African? Certain direct consequences of the migrations will not be fully understood unless the many centuries that slowly covered are kept in mind. The development and spread of the numerous languages, dialects, separate and independent small city-states from which various varieties of cultural patterns inevitably emerged, these outcomes highlight the factors of segmentation and the decline of advanced black institutions. But migrations from the first centers of black culture in the Sudan and Egypt had beneficial results also. The migrations were a new kind of missionaries. They carried whatever they could of their advanced civilization wherever they went, and they carried it far and wide. The backward groups that had been living far away from the centers of progress were the beneficiaries. An economic revolution occurred in areas where the now migration not only brought new grain crops, but also new implements and farming techniques. They also spread the gospel of industrial production through the expansion of crafts and their organization into guilds. The greatest of these was iron, for iron all by itself created the greatest industrial revolution in Africa and became at once both the catalyst and foundation of the new state formations and expansions of power. In like manner, basic African institutions, such as traditional, constitutional, and social systems, were reinforced by the migrations from the heartland. And while many of these basic institutions were influenced and modified by Islam and Christian Europe, they all remained so unyielding at the core that they can be studied today almost as directly as they could have been 5,000 years ago. There is another fact in this connection that is not pointed out often and never stressed. We generally speak <clears throat> glibly enough about Asian and Western influence on black Africa, but seldom about the influence on Africa on Asian and Western institutions. The process of Africanization began at once, whenever and wherever the blacks came into contact with foreign institutions. Both Islam and Christianity had to yield to Africanization. Even autocratic sultans and emirs, all powerful in Asia, clashed head-on with the constitutional role of the Council, of Af the Council in Africa and had to yield. The religions that spread most rapidly and widely were those which were rarely adaptable to African cultural patterns. Islam and the Catholic Church led in this, and the Catholic Church outdistanced every Christian denomination in growth. A large volume should be written on the African influence on both Asian and Western civilizations, since that influence began in ancient times, was not limited to Caucasian on the African continent, 
but was carried to other lands by migrating whites who themselves had been Africanized. African values did not even did not die even among the millions of slaves who were transplanted to distant lands. In the United States, where the system to stamp out every vestige of black culture was most thoroughgoing and relentless, African traditions persisted and influenced not only the white slave-owning class, but the course of American civilization itself. The historical significance of the movement of people, no matter under what circumstances, can hardly be overemphasized. We have seen how and why the flight of blacks from the Sudan increased as the Arab hordes continued to sweep in during the 13th century and Islamization was more aggressively pushed. Too many blacks leaving the homeland, what was happening was far worse than the sight of their cities, towns, and villages going up in flames. For now, they saw their very own leaders, kings, and notables divesting themselves of a tradition of civilization that went back beyond history into paleolithic times and for expectancy and self-interest were humbly grasping at the robes of the Arabs, their language, and their religion. Their leaders on the throne were no longer Africans or Ethiopian. They were now of still another race. They were black Arabs. So it did not matter at all that new states were forming under black Arab rule. The Arabs not only tolerated these black Muslim rulers, sultans and emirs that were they were now called, but found it expedient to use them as fronts in controlling the remaining black population. The real rulers were the various Arab tribes that were now scattered all over the Sudan. There was a great difference between these new black Muslim states and Funj. For while Funj was also a sultanate in name, it had a long line of black rulers who steadfastly refused to be Arabized, even to the extent of accepting Arab names. And even the Arab population knew very well that the Muslim region of those black sultans was very superficial indeed. The new French state of Darfur, Wadai, and other and others under black Muslims often offered no place of refuge for those whose very reason for flight was to maintain their own racial identity, dignity, and religion. And we can prove we can prove that today. So you you can when you read profound works like this, it sticks with you, resonates with you. Dr. Clark was a, a student of Chancellor Williams. Why do you think Dr. Clark went so hard on making sure all black Muslims spoke on what was going on in the Sudan? Because it's still going on right now. Go to the search engine, type in President of Northern Sudan, and look at him. He looks just like the black Arab Chancellor Williams was talking about. And then Type in South Sudan president. And before you find a picture of him, you're going to find some all kind of weird shit that he had to accept the prime minister who wasn't from his, you know, to show you they had to create the false state of South Sudan because of the issue with the natives from Sudan who are the Nubians, descendants of the Nubians who still fighting these Arabized Negroes over there in the Sudan, right? But keep it out now. We're talking, about political, we're talking about politics and war. So the only reason that there's a southern Sudan is because the British 
or what they want to they want to step in and take advantage of this confusion right now. Because the minute the minute the minute if, if you describe this situation to a layman, you would say Northern Sudan Islam, Southern Sudan Christians. They just became Christians over there. They were in they were indigenous Africans. Practicing indigenous African cultures and religions. You, you see what I'm saying? So now the British are stepping in. We'll help you. But they're not stepping in to help them because they they play chess with Arabs like this. This is this is this Cold War tactics. So both the Arab in the north and the because the British got the Arabs on the line. If you know a little bit of our history with World War One. So all this shit is still being in effect right now. And we can prove it with, with the current events that's taking place right now. They, but you know, when you when you read this book, this 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 section, you will question Wesley Muhammad's Black Arabia book. And then you then you then you heard when you hear what Malcolm X said that you'll never find any literature from Elijah Muhammad giving you pro-African history or anything that's pro-African from Elijah Muhammad. You'll understand why one of his Cubs, 30, 40 years after he did die, would write a book called Black Arabia before he would write a book called Black Africa or Africa. Anything about Africa. Something to think about. They fly the flag of the Turks. Remember that. Remember that. They Islam fly a Turkish flag. And then you recall seeing that video with um with Farrakhan talking about that we were that we was cursed anyway. That the African is cursed because of our because of our features. Why no the big lips? In no, here. The hair got the hair got naughty. The hair got naughty in the jungle. Your lips got big and twisty. You know, that's the same thing as the, as the white man. He might as well say, you know, those shamefully elongated fallacies. I tell you like this. You can take this chapter alone. You can take this chapter alone from Chancellor Williams. Because Chancellor Williams wrote this book. He wrote this book going blind with the intentions of young Africans to revise this shit. So it's a short, it's a short encyclopedia. He wanted to write it. He wanted to write it like a encyclopedia. But he said, you know, he 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 omits that. No, he admits that in the first opening of his preface, that one of the mistakes he made was thinking he could tackle this type of task all by himself. Uh, he said that on film. I heard him on and film. that, yeah, and that once this dude, you know, he wanted to make a two volumes, but once it's that, we had, you know, it needs to be revised like it is now. And so each each chapter is, is really concentrated, references real deep. So you can take this chapter alone, we ain't even finished with it, and dice up Wesley Muhammad's Black Arabia. Because to some extent, you can use this as a as a goddamn a, a, a prophecy, professing that this type of work will come out. And what's your proof? The relationships at this time in history that Chancellor Williams is talking about with the diffusion of history. One culture's dying, one's rising. Mm-hmm. And culture dictates it. Uh, culture dictates even beyond skin color because Chester Williams just just read, even though them niggas, or the brother just read, even though they black in face, 
they puppets for the for the over overpowered Arab culture mm-hmm. to run game on and, and, and incorporate black people. Sound familiar, huh? It's the same thing going on now. Black power. <laughs> you can look in America and see and see them doing the same thing. Look at Obama. <laughs> now you understand why John Henry Clark, a student of Chester Williams, who read this book. Came to the conclusion that it's two things that's going on: Arabism and Islam. <laughs> you got to know the difference between the two, because because uh, uh, Dr. Ben said religion is the deification of a man's culture. And what is Islam? It's what is it? What is base? Arab. Arab. So it's going to be Arab sto- or war stories. Arab history, Arab glorification, Arab prophets, Arab scenes, Arab themes. You know what I'm saying? Arab holy land, everything. Look at, you know, that's what now you understand why Seti went so hard on the Bible. Seti read this book. He understand that every tribe in Africa is cursed. Why would every African tribe be cursed? You have to curse the tribe because you have to curse the culture. Because I have to put my religion on you. And religion is the deification of man's culture. Right, Paul. You know, you just said a mouthful, man, Karab, when you My brain was just putting that into connection with science and how all these niggas is trying to push this science shit glorifying the European culture because it's especially with that evolution bullshit trying to put them at basically put them in our position. And mm-hmm. this chapter is highlighting how they use anthropology and all that bullshit to put them in that position in that false position that we're supposed to be in. And these bastards is pushing that shit right down our those hook line and sink. Black power. It all goes together. And that's the first field I jumped into when I you know, was all here lost and wanted to be, you know, now I need to go, you know, I got, this system broke a nigga down all the way where I didn't do what they wanted the nigga do. Most niggas, you know, if, if, if you don't get the chance to murk yourself, you want, you know, you reform. Reform or, 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 or resurrect. I resurrected. Instead of me reforming, coming back to start, I went to the base of that shit. Let me, let me go study uh, 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 anthropology. And my whole presence in that that shit was long, hard, but it was very insightful. Because before I went to it, this was my base right here. A queen gave me this book and was like, you know what I'm saying, Sister uh, Gia Brown from Riverside. You know what I'm saying? Her mom, her mom, deep into Egypt and shit. You know what I'm saying? She, she, you know, she she gave me a framework when I went back to college. She said, first thing you better do is take some history classes to remind your ass why you going to school. Don't be jumping right into. I took some history classes. Uh, uh, met Doctor uh, uh, Doctor Walker with the high school with my auntie. He, he was related to the brother in Texas that got dragged by the crackers on the back of the truck. That college one first March, you know what I'm saying? We all, we all tied to this African spider web through family, you know what I'm saying, and experience. So you you know what I mean? Came right up to that shit. He 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 his specialty was African reconstruction period. I'm taking that with a with a politics class. Not not knowing they connected. But when he got to showing the whole, you know, brother told me he said, uh 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 
Well, you know when they said the 40 acres in a mule, you know that they, they actually did that shit and it worked. But you know what happened to y'all? They on and it's funny because it's right it's right where that flood happened. South Carolina has a rich history in America. And them islands. South Carolina used to have islands. Still see what I'm saying? They still there. And yeah, they had they had a they had they had a test run where they had some slaves and they gave them forty acres in a mule and the shit was working because Africans left alone gonna do their thing. And y'all know what happened? Poor white folks, listen to that, that's an oxymoron. Poor white folks heard about it and burnt that shit down. So one thing you know, like the way uh, Professor Walker walked that shit down to us is before America will will eat be, America couldn't pay us back our retribution because they got poor white folks that they got to take care of. Mm. Mm. He said, and he, and he, and he like, oh, you know, he he is the dollar call. He like, I can prove it happening again. Uh, 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 Black Wall Street. Yeah. Poor whites found out about that shit. Yeah, and that shit was a race war. And we were winning. And because we were winning, the crackers knew that, you know, ain't no motherfucking organization, no niggas gonna give a killing bass white folks. And that's when the government had to come in. The government came in to save crackers, y'all. That's, they ain't gonna tell you like that. Because that was the case, it would have been a, it would have been a race, it would have been a riot similar to like what we go right now. It'd have been niggas marching, and it'd have been police brutality. It wasn't there like that. When you get the news reports, you see you see conflicts, you see bombings, and then you then you see the police presence after the shit is already fucked up. Oh yeah, I read in the book. Uh, uh, sister, we were we was doing so well back then. The sister name was Carolina Taylor. Her father, she was a dentist, and her father created the cotton gin. She would sail to Paris every three months to have her clothes handmade. Another aspect of history I'll teach you about. Yeah, that's just from down there in Louisiana, right? Mm-hmm. This one, this one, the South was kicking the North out. So history is very important in regards to, because we live in history. And all historical events are centered around us. Even when they kill on our use, they make history. Damn, black power. It was a beautiful analysis, Brother Mickelroy. Beautiful breakdown. Mm-hmm. It's going to be teaching your children in a little while. It's going to be teaching your children. So are we glad to get it first? Definitely an excellent analysis, Brother Mickelwise. Excellent analysis. Okay, I'll, I'll just learn some things. I just learned some new things tonight. <laughs> yeah. and, it, and it ain't even over yet. And I've been, I've been adjusted. It ain't even over yet. You know, I think also uh, what was beautiful in this is how he mentioned how despite all that our people have been through, you know, they still um, held on to a vestige of their um, African culture, you know. You know, they were relentless about it, you know what I'm saying? And uh, that, that, again, shows the resiliency and, 
and really the the special uh, people that we come from. Right, pal. And, and and you know once and that's the reason of history. Because once you know the people that you come from, and you can see that, you know your duty and what you can become and greater. That's the only way you know, you really know your potential. You know what I'm saying? When you see where you, where you came from, then we, we did this, we was that. Oh, all right then. You know your potential. Especially, in, especially when dealing with the people as such as we are, one who has lost history. One who has lost history must look back into history to gain a, a, a better ground in itself. You know, you got to get a better interpretation because we need a better interpretation of ourselves because the context that we've been getting is you would think, you know, my little brother used to say this all the time, man. He said, yo, man, the way history goes, you would think um, black people just popped up in the cotton patch. Okay. You know what I'm saying? He said that to me, man. I, it, it, and it shit sounded funny, but it ain't. You know what I mean? Because that's how that's how our history is taught to us, as though we popped up in the cotton patch. And just went to working, and next thing you know, we were civil rights, and, and now here we come. Well, we're going to move on, unless anybody else has anything else to add on. All right. Well, we're moving on to the Saharan tragedy. Uh, anybody want to pick up? Mr. Kamir, you want to read? Uh, I'll take it over right here. Let me see what we got going. Yeah, and I'll catch the next one, King. All right, no doubt. All right, let's get this. Let me get this thing here together. The Saharan tragedy. We return to the Sahara again. For here is where the first black migrations began before written history. Hold on, excuse me one second. Let me, let me get a shot of this water real quick. All right, all right. We return again to the, to the Sahara. We return to the Sahara again. But here is where the first black migrations began before written history. Sahara, or wasteland, indicates what it became, not what it was. It was the largest northern region of Balad at Sudan, the land of the blacks. During this vast area for at least 5,000 years, it is difficult to believe that it was not forever thus. But the Sahara, far bigger than the United States, was once a land of lakes, rivers, forests, green fields, farms, villages, towns, and cities. Wildlife was abundant. Cattle grazed in meadows and horse-drawn chariots sped over the highways. It was a great land, yet only a part of an even greater black world. We have already noted that this black African world 
had been under relentless pressures from the sea coast by invading whites from the earliest times. Hebrews, Phoenicians, Mongols, Arabs, Berbers, Greeks, Romans, et al. It was also pointed out that it is not without significance that even today most of the invaders occupy the same areas where they first came in, the sea coast. For centuries, these whites must have been received with the traditional African hospitality. They were immigrants, settlers, and traders. Many, like the early blacks, blacks themselves were seafaring men. That the blacks were once among the most adventurous of peoples is evidenced not only by the presence of their, de- of their descendants in many lands and numerous far-flung lands, but also by the archaeological remains found in various parts of Europe. It seems clear, therefore, that the whites were not regarded as invaders with ulterior motives, but as co-partners in the further development of world trade. There was no obvious reason to think otherwise. No particular significance was seen in the fact that the whites always massed along the seacoast and built their towns and trading posts second and trading posts strongholds there. The blacks were also in these same coastal areas. There was a general mixing or amalgamation of the races also from the earliest times in this early in this area, the offsprings of blacks and white and white Berbers and Arabs became known as Moors, Tuaregs, Tipu, and the Fulani. Like, like Afro-Americans, they were every conceivable complexion, some of the whitest having Negro blood. The scientists in, on Africa, however, classify even the dark skin in these groups as Caucasoid. It does not appear that any black prophets came forth to warn the trusting African people that over 3 million square miles of their fertile land would be made a vast wasteland by the slowly moving sandstorms from the north, or that even fleeing their very lives would likewise be made a vast wasteland by the white storms from the seacoast. The sandstorms at first began their long and relentless rampage over hundreds of miles, but only as previous deforesting and the disappearance of grassland made this easy. The desiccation began far back in time, probably during a well during a period well after quaternary times began. No one knows now long that awful process no one knows how long that awful process of drying up lands and rivers lasted. What is crystal clear is that during the ensuing migrations, the blacks made their greatest and most tragic error. It was an error to be fought with the direct historical consequences for the whole black race. Instead of moving in mass to the seacoast and maintaining the dominant position there, which they could have done easily, they moved in mass towards the interior, first to the remaining oasis in the desert, then into southern Ethiopia, Egypt, and the Sudan to the south, central, and western regions. The Berbers, Arabs, and their Afro-Asian offspring, Moors, Turks, etc., now firmly held the entire northern, northwestern, and eastern seaboard of Africa. The tremendous victory of the white man was not achieved by conquest. It was achieved by default on the part of a race too preoccupied with the immediate present and less with its future. A race whose centuries of blind trust in the white man surpassed all understanding. One might say that in surrendering all their coastal areas to the Asians and mulattoes, apparently without a fight except in the case of Lower Egypt, that the blacks could not only seal themselves off from the world commerce and general international relations, but they also at the same time sealed their own fate to be a surrounded, hemmed-in hunting ground for slaves. The 
pattern for Egypt and Axum was clear cut. The story was already outlined early enough and so clearly that even the blind could not be unaware of the shape of things to come. That shape emerged in their presence. The whites were aggressive, always relentlessly pushing for the command position of every Hold up. For the command position, the whites were aggressive, always relentlessly pushing for the command position in every situation. No matter how small their number or how insignificant the project, the blacks, by contrast, were not so aggressive, tending toward the prior wrongs done. This overall humane and essentially religious attitude of the blacks led Arnold Toynbee to say that mankind may have to emulate them if civilization is to be saved. This is hardly a compliment in a world where the very meaning of civilization is lost. In the face of the Caucasian, will to power, and the domination, this religion of meekness is a, a, this religion of meekness is a tacit surrender to the permanent overlordship of the aggressive and the strong. This is the testimony of history, and perhaps this is why I have always been puzzled by the declaration of Jesus Christ that the meek would inherit the earth. Did he mean the grave? The pattern referred to above developed from the fact that countless thousands of blacks did not migrate anywhere but remained among the agents. They gradually became the lower class in the society. Although there was some mobility or escape routes, the Berbers and the Arabs constituted the upper class and ruling group. Next came the Afro-Berbers and Afro-Arabs, mulattoes, in quotation, also classified as white. But in class below whites, and finally, there was still there was the still lower class of blacks, and strangely enough, all Berbers, Arabs, and mixed breeds who chose to cast their lot with the blacks and share their destiny. I said strangely enough, but there was really nothing strange about it. It was simply a human situation. A part of the explanation was that out of centuries of intermarriages, they had developed a network of family and kinship relationships. But it meant much more. Than those, than these kinship ties, these whites and half whites, admittedly a small minority, minority nevertheless did not have to have themselves classified as blacks, giving up the open opportunity to direct power, fame, and fortune. Like the majority of whites and half whites with similar ties to blacks, they could have easily cut those ties and even denied that any ties ever existed. That was the easy way, the self-serving and expedient way. They refused to take it and chose to share all the hardships of the blacks. I dwell on this because here we catch a fleeting glimpse of the progress of the human spirit as it emerged on a plane above the rewards of materialism and self-interest. I dwell on it because wherever this small group exists in a world going mad with greed, there will remain some faint hope for a more humane world in the next 1,000 years. Social economic mobility came from the circumstances that the blacks made up the strongest contingents of the Berbers and Arab armies. Some became commanders. Others became chief counselors to sultans. Most males were castrated. However, are removed from possible contact with all females. An equally significant group was the labor force of enslaved blacks. These were highly important because they relieved the white agents from all labor. The blacks who were skilled craftsmen in various fields fared better since they were generally spared from the whip. The, pl- 
fight of the blacks in the white-dominated area, including their enslavement, would have been different if the masses had not scattered in small groups over the tactless Sahara, the Nile Valley, Ethiopia, and other regions of the continent. The others referred to where the blacks who remained where they were, at, were as their once vast and fertile homeland slowly turned this into a Sahara or wasteland. Geologists, archaeologists, and other specialists have all advanced various theories to explain the great mystery of the transforming Sahara. We need not retell the interesting story here, for every explanation seems to project still another. We need not retell their interesting story here, for every explanation seems to project still another puzzling question. For me, at any rate, for, for example, just how did the Albion Sea, a vast inland body of water as large as France, disappear under Sahara? How many cities and towns lay buried under these both mountains of sand and rock? We know that in a given area, all farms, orchards, and even villages could be completely covered over with sand in a matter of weeks. The fierce winds whipped up walls of sand and gravel like mountainous ocean waves. Since this region is over 1,000 1, miles wide and more than 3,000 miles from east to west, most of the people in the interior must have perished from their villages, farms, lakes, and rivers. The exceptions were those lucky people whose farms and villages escaped inundations by the moving oceans of sand. In these places of refuge, later called oases, the otherwise indiscriminate forces of death and destruction did indeed discriminate. Sometimes high walls of sand begin to pile up just before reaching these sites, leaving them safely and valleys thus formed. These continue to be centers of life and hope as the years pass on into our own time. And it is not without significance that two-thirds of the Sahara population today is still black. Like their ancestors, they continue to be settled communities of farmers and craftsmen, the kind of communities where civilization itself is born. But also, like their ancestors and all other advancing people, they were vulnerable to the widely ranging camel-riding Berber and Arab nomads. These twenty these ten dwelling raiders gained absolute control of all the trans-Saharan trade routes. With their kinsmen in control of all the commercial seaports, they had effective control over the economic life of Africa, and therefore Africa itself. The matter of making that control more complete by raiding and enslaving of blacks and scattered oasis communities became, became relatively easy direct contact with Europe and Asia meant the possession of latest superior fire. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Direct contact with Europe and Asia meant the possession of the latest superior weapons, which the blacks were unable to secure, firearms. Hmm. And, you know, this section plays to America right now, uh, or last 400 years here in America. We see the, uh, especially the last 100 years where we, where you see, where you can see the, uh, what happens when you have skilled labor in this, and uh, you can have a slave system. And you see, this is why we built our community so quick, is because when you let go the slaves, allegedly, they were the only skilled labor. So this was the reason that we built Post uh, Oklahoma, Winston-Salem, North Carolina, uh, uh, Monroe, North Carolina. Uh, uh, what's, what's, I forgot the place in New Jersey, but uh, we 
have cities all over the all over the country that built large and fast and quick, and just communities that just popped up all over because we were the skilled labor, and this was this was the reason for uh, the labor union. But that's a different point. But just to, you know, just to emphasize that real quick about how that happened, and then another thing about us being redirected from white domination, we see that uh, here the dispersal and the scattering of the blacks all over. You know, we got certain places where we communed up together tight, but then we still scattered all all over the place. And some people wonder why we still live in the communities that still still treat black people like they got them slaves. By power. I, another section that is uh, fire, this, this whole chapter here, is just, uh, I, it's, I don't have words to describe it, in all honesty. And anyone reading this book, there is no way you could uh, be a Muslim and uphold that culture. I, 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 I just cannot understand it. Nothing you can say. All right. Uh, does anybody want to want to add on any points to this to this uh, section right here? All right. Well, if not we got a, another quick. Uh, we got a, a little section coming up real fast. So, uh, Sister Camille, if you could do the honors. Ashe, um, Ethnology and the Migrations. The great story of the Sahara is yet to be told. Archaeology has, <clears throat> excuse me, pardon me. <laughs> Archaeology has hardly scratched the surface beneath, which a lost civilization lies buried under several thousand feet of sand and rock. How far westward did the effective rule of the ancient empire extend? How many kingdoms were there? And by what African names were they known? Were the fringe states, excuse me, were the fringe states <clears throat> such as ancient Ghana that were found fighting for survival on the edges of the desert, once a part of a vast imperial system? There is some evidence that this may have been the case. But the actual fact remains unknown, and speculation becomes an idle pastime. What is known that the migrations from the Sahara, while heavily concentrated in Upper Egypt and Eastern Sudan, also spread out over Africa in and through the Western Sudan. I may seem to be... I may seem to have overemphasized the ethnic composition of some migrating groups by repeating reference to it, but it is so important that white historians have bypassed it in order to establish a new theory of prehistoric Caucasian occupation of Africa. Have they not found supposedly Caucasoid remains and artifacts at different places? 
According to this theory, the whites in their con in their conquest of Africa were simply returning to their own original homeland. But where now is the homeland of the blacks? Our Africanist experts do not know. Some few apparently seeing seeing how ridiculous was the corner into which they have painted themselves suggested suggested that perhaps the blacks migrated from India or somewhere in Europe. <laughs> Others undertake to establish Caucasian priority in Africa by excavating structures which no Negro could have built. An example is a prehistoric site in Uganda. They found what seems to have been a well-built fortification of earthwork, reservoirs, dams of integration, trenches, and pit dwellings. All this indicated the mass organization and skills of a superior people, such as the Sidomo, for example. Sidomo, for example. Nowhere in East Africa, the author concludes, are Negro peoples, either Bantu or Nalitic, known to have built structures even remotely comparable to these. And um, this is from Murdoch. This, like a thousand similar four statements about Africans, require no answer. The facts now are well known. But let us not miss the central point of all of this. The Sidomo people, cited by this anthropologist as the probable builders of those structures, are themselves black Africans. As black and as African as are the anthropologists Bantu and the Nihilistic groups. I have lived among all these groups. Some of the people in each group are of mixed blood, as a simple matter of course, just as American blacks are mixed, but in their pathological drive to prevent any concept of unity from emerging in Africa, Caucasian scholars have been relentless in dividing the blacks of Africa into numerous ethnic categories. This grand strategy was designed to make each group feel unique, special, and hostile to all other groups. The development of different languages in the scattered and isolated societies was the most favorable situation for the division of the blacks and the furtherance of hostility among them. None of this evil deliberately designed excuse me, none of this was none of this none of this was evil deliberately designed. The writing of the history or rather non-history of non-Caucasians from a, a Caucasian viewpoint was a development of relatively recent times. It followed logically from the 19th century theories of social evolution, racism, the natural byproduct, by, byproduct now had a scientific basis and as such became an integral part of education itself. This is why Western anthropologists have played the dominant role in shaping African history, which, from their viewpoint, 
was the study of primitive people. The migrations, as we have seen, served their purpose well. Black Powell.
Let's see who the Sadamo people are. Let's make sure we got that correct. I mean, who knew? You look for somebody to read, bro, boy? Yeah, yeah, but um, I just want to put something in real quick. Oh, okay. The Sadamo people. They said they speak Amharic, and they out of Ethiopia. Numbers about 3.8 million. They are the fifth most populous group in, um, fifth largest group in Ethiopia. Um, all right. Is there anything else that uh, you want to talk about? Anything else anybody want to know about the Sadamo people? They say the related ethnic groups are the Oromo, Gurag, the Walatia, Amhara, and the Somali. All right. Well, Sister Camille, I mean, Sister Matias, mm-hmm. you, can, um, you can go on and thank you very much, Sister uh, Camille, for reading. Okay. The imperialist with the pen. The picture becomes clearer, however, when we know that the black migrations were not always all black. Some of these were Afro-Asians. Some had a few white Asians. Other groups were entirely afro Berber or Afro-Arab, these often tended to form an independent ethnic group, keeping to themselves. There were also some groups of Berbers and later Arabs who migrated from the Sierra to favorable locations in the interior. So as stated above, since we are here considering the earliest migration from the Sierra to find Caucasus remains, in any part of Africa today is really without any particular significance. Such finds obviously do not justify the conclusions reached by many writers. But these experts on Africa are not ignorant of the essential facts and outcomes of migration. This is certainly true of those who have studied the dispersion and the mixing of people over the millennium. They know, but there is a, apparently a deeply felt need, an urgent and almost desperate compulsion to justify the power position of the white world over the non-white people. That white power is so all-encompassing that the task of Western scholarship in particular is easy enough. First of all, they are not only supported by the almost limited, limitless wealth amassed from the exploited people of the earth, but they also still control directly or indirectly directly the economic life of every black state today. This is equally true of numerous non-African countries still poor and begging while their wealth is being drained off to the already rich countries. Secondly, they control world education and science, 
scholarship supported by millions of dollars far from being independent and objective has generally served its masters well, becoming arrogant and overbearing in the process. Their most powerful weapon is a single word, science. Having successfully raised science far above religion and the faith of people generally, they may now present almost any proposition or conclusion as scientific and gain wide acceptance. The age has passed when men listened with reverence when it was declared that thus saith the Lord. Now one simply has to say, according to science, or most scholars are agreed, etc. Finally, the universities spearheaded the final economic triumph of the West over the rest of the world. Science pushed partnership um, of the big corporate wealth and big government into exciting fields of inventions and discoveries. Weapons of universal destruction actually outdistance the technology of time and space. Who then could question white supremacy? Who dared to challenge viewpoints held by scholars with this awesome array of power behind them? Certainly nothing coming from the blacks required any serious consideration. The mind transplant had been most successful as an operation on the blacks. That's yeah, that he heat. He's going on it. He's going on it. Hold it right there. That's that heat right there. <laughs> Plus, I'm going to take this whole chapter and chop them niggas up. Them niggas ain't qualified to speak for us, y'all. Chancellor Williams already told y'all. The niggas, what is, what, is the, what is the action word for these niggas for the whole uh, 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 lecture? Science. And technology. Science and technology was the first two things Europeans used to get there. That's the only thing you can use to test religion, to test empirical data. When you when you when you look at when you go into <laughs> when you go into European history during the 16th century, 1600s. No, no, 17th century, 1600s. The Second Renaissance. When they were creating inventions like the vacuum pump, and and one uh, uh, I forget his name. When he tested the vacuum pump, he put uh, 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 his vacuum pump was placed with two horses running in opposite direction that couldn't pull it apart. And the vacuum pump, you know, to, to prove the science, but you know, he had to get approval from the church because the church saw that that could be something that could eventually be used to undermine the thought process of the people they control it with this religion. Now it's the same mechanism too still going on now where nothing can question the legitimacy of white science. But Uncle is thinking they can question white science by blackening it up without blacking it up in the context that Chancellor Williams is talking about. You see what I'm saying? Y'all reading that shit line for line, nigga ain't even got to speak on it. Chess Williams, is, he wrote this book when? Now y'all tell me, what the fuck is a comedic Armageddon War Conference? 
1987. And niggas are having a comedic Armageddon World Conference December 12th, 2015. How many of you think have read this chapter or even read this book? Damn. Other than the general. But will name they show and have you lost the destruction of black civilization. And that's the title of this book we read, ain't it? Okay. Listen to them niggas talk. Up, go one for one, line for line with white anthropologists and Egyptologists and, and, and all of them. But what the fuck's going on? I question if he even read this book. You can use I can use this book against every member in their whole fucking clique. Ishmael Allah. He fought right in this chapter because he's still a moor. His wife ain't black. Yeah, we pulling the coat out on you niggas. Who else? Who else can we use, brother Bourne? Who else? Who else could we use out there, right here? What more my OGs that who, who see these charlatans trying to resurrect? You know what I'm saying? Thinking they took a we ain't took a day off on you niggas. We see y'all. All we gotta use is elders to get y'all. Hmm? Uh, 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 the two linguists, Asar, he can get this whole chapter too. Asar, Sinjedi, he can get this chapter too. He found this chapter too. Polite. I think you deserve the opportunity, brother. You know, um, I I haven't heard all the shows y'all been on with them, but what I heard when you was on their show, you know, and the way they cut you off, brother, I I think you deserve that opportunity. Mister Camille, that's why he dressed you in them comments and not me. Feel me? I say. And all you gotta do is just this ain't this ain't all we doing is we finding works of elders that niggas that have you believe that their support with some elders, you know, I use elder for foundational teachers, like I you know, and the and the greatest that you can get is when you got information that family can read from the same tree and all come to the same, you know, agreement on what's going on. You know what I'm saying? This chapter is some heat. Okay, nephew. Blows their whole shit out the waters, and then I got to also look at uh, their uh, the elder that they uphold, uh, James Moore. I mean, have you not also read this work? Why are you even involved in this? Ah, shay. If the sister could read that paragraph again, okay. Ashe. Okay, let me go back. Okay. First of all, they are not only supported by 
the almost limitless wealth amassed from the exploited people of the earth, but they are still controlled directly or indirectly the economic life of every black state today. This is equally true of numerous non-African countries still poor and begging while their wealth is being drained off to the already rich countries. Secondly, they control world education and science. Scholarships supported by millions of dollars far from being independent and objective has generally served its masters well, becoming arrogant and overbearing in the process. Their most powerful weapon is a single word, science. Having successfully raised science far above religion and the faith of people generally, they may now present almost any proposition or conclusion as scientific and gain wide acceptance. The age has passed when men listened with with reverence when it was declared that thus state the Lord. Now one simply has to say according to science or most scholars agree, etc. Finally the university universities spearheaded the final economic triumph of the West over the rest of the world. Science pushed the partnership of big corporate wealth and big government into existing fields of inventions and discovery. Weapons of universal destruction actually outdistance the technology of time and space. So who then could question white supremacy? Who dared to challenge viewpoints held by scholars with this awesome array of power behind them? Certainly nothing coming from the blacks required any serious consideration. The mind transplant has been most successful as an operation on the blacks. If that don't speak to what's going on now, and that's the question he's daring us as a next generation. Who dare challenge white power? I'll be the first to say that. Uh, I'll, I'll answer that challenge, uh, 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 Williams. Anybody else going to answer behind me, huh? That's the, listen how he's listen how he's writing it. This shit's like prophecies. You know what I'm saying? Without without the lies that are you know of a fake God saying my son this. You know what I'm saying? He asked the questions. Who dared then to, to challenge white supremacy? Yep. I say I take that challenge. Black power. Black power. So we all step step into the line. Might as well hold the line. How do you accept that challenge? By questioning science. Because science ain't nothing as as Chancellor Williams said, a new religion for white folks. No longer in the name of God. Now now you hear that? In the name of God. No no longer in the name of God, but in the name of science. It sounds like a a black atheist, don't it? Niggas got mad. Niggas got mad. I say, yo, listen, man. This science thing that y'all running is just a new religion. Oh, no, what you mean? This ain't religious. I say, yo, man, y'all hold on. Y'all got to believe in that the same way people believe in religion, man. No one here. You know what, Nicaragua? Born. Every individual at that million-man mark had a sentimental attachment towards science and the ology of science. Somebody wanted to... Somebody else wanted to um, come in real quick. Yeah, yeah, because I already, I already know these dudes' playbook. They're gonna say that they are, they have read the chapter and they are holding up to what 
Baba Williams was saying, and they're going to use that UNESCO conference as they callous to say, we are challenging science academia. This is our stuff. This is what we came up with. That's the, that's the shit that they're going to try to pull. They're going to try to say they are holding up him. They are challenging science academia, even though in reality they're regurgitating exactly what the academia is, is saying. Black Pop, I like the way this African man thinks right here. Brother, can you state your name for the uh for the for the record? Oh, this brother Dondre. Black Power, brother. I I like the way you think, man. You're very calculated. Ashe. But you know the catcher for them is in that line where he says that, you know, uh to back up your position or your ideology as being factual, you lean back and say that, well, this is science and that, you know, this has the majority of the viewpoint by accredited uh, white scholars at the end of the day, you know, or those few African scholars that push that white ideology as well. You know what I'm saying? That's that's the killer. That's, that's the slap back on which you manifest that they're going to hit you with, which is uh, black power to you on that, by the way. Black power. Um, Brother Mickerel, it's something um, in which she just got through, what the Queen just got through saying, reminds me of something that you always say, but I can't remember it. It has something to do with the, with either the scholarship or when you're writing a paper or something like that. And, um, like, uh, I guess if you have a, a theory, it has to match with the majority of the science, uh, with, with the with the other scholars, or, like, they pay for it, or it has something to do with that. Did that ring a bell? In regards to uh, uh, peer review, um, some of the things that are peer reviewed. Yeah, uh-huh. Yeah, okay, they'll, they'll, use, they'll use their peer review shit as a means so you can't take, like, like let's say I write a paper that's challenging evolution. And I'm chewing Europeans up. This is how you know these niggas ain't fucking with crackers. And I'm chewing these crackers up. The first thing a white scholar will tell, you know, anybody who read that shit is that, oh, nigga, are you writing this shit right here? Oh, this shit is not peer review. Peer review, man, your shit is not reviewed by a, a, a league of scholars who all have the same background in the same field. And all you need to hear is that, and you know that's bias right there because they're all in the field of white supremacy. You see what I'm saying? So them niggas, they'll, like, like the brother just said, they'll act like they're defending black people with the UNESCO convention, them challenging shit. But like they're regurgitating line for line, and you can hear that they ain't even challenging the foundation of shit because what they choose to defend and what they choose not to talk about in regards to proving that black people are the origin or, or evolution is this and that. You see what I'm saying? So this, and, and, you, and, and your foundational teacher is going to always omit where you got your truth from. He could say all day he don't fuck with Charles Darwin, but concepts he choose to talk about, for example. Or, or it could be Charles Darwin, it could be social, it could be anything. You could you get a whiff. Right, 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 right. Look at what police do right now. If they got a sophisticated motherfucker that they can't track, but they got some, but they got some writings that the individual made, they were like, we don't know nothing about this shit. So what do they do? They'll put it out for the public. 
and someone will read it and get a whiff of that type of philosophy. You see what I'm saying? He's like, yeah, I remember a nigga with me, you know what I'm saying? And he was talking that shit, and he write just like he talked. Damn, I never do that. You know what I'm saying? And that'll be how they crack the motherfucker. So your teachings, you gonna always resonate your foundational teachings. You, you know what I mean? Whether you was this, whether you was that. But you gonna always get to the pure form of what you was already searching for. You know what, Mikra? You just, just as soon as you said Charles Darwin, the checkmate popped in my head. Because every time they bring up Charles Darwin, they try to guide you from the fact that he wasn't a racist, he wasn't a racist, he was scientific. They keep stressing the word that he just used science, he just used science, he wasn't racist, it's just the science, it's just the science. But when you go back to what Baba Williams is saying, the science itself is racist. But they try to keep you away from the fact that the science is racist by using that fucking word. And let me tell you something about peer review, right? This is the way that they can slight information. Because as the brother said, you got a group that's already sitting there. So if you write a controversial paper, what they'll do is they won't review it. So then that way they know that if they don't review it and it's not published in a journal, they know that that automatically is like a way to say that that's not credible information. And, you know, a lot of information to get or go to the, um, you know, they'll send it in to get peer-reviewed. They'll take that information and shelf it, never publish it in the journal. Hold your information and shelf your shit because they don't want people, to, it, no matter how good the science is, no matter, you could have did everything possible to make sure that there was no contamination in any type of research that you did, any type of experiments or whatever, anything that you were doing, you could make sure that everything was perfect. But if it is something that, totally goes against what empirical data has already set up, then, man, that shit out of here, period, point blank. That's the, that's the reason for the peer review, to filter out information that they don't want the people to have. That's why you can go online and you can see information and you'd be like, oh, all right, you can see information up there, but then when you go and try to look and see if it's a scientific article, like a journal on it, that the archaeologist who put that information out, they might have put it on a blog or put it on a website or something, but they can't get the information peer-reviewed, so they can't get published in the journal. So what they do is they just they just put it on the website, and people will be like, oh, man, that's pseudo. That's this, that's that. That's pseudo because, you know, it ain't it ain't peer-reviewed. But it will be by a PhD, be by people with what they, you know, with all the letters that people be saying that you got to have in order to know something. But still, uh, you know, it, it won't pass that that empirical data tip test. And and it's like a double-edged sword too, brother Born, because it's in terms of contradiction. Because on one hand, it's like okay, well, let's use that rubric to 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 use that to validate any information. Okay, well, goddamn, all of the information of Europeans, we talking because they big up their scholars, right? But their shit was not peer-reviewed. That shit was radical, so radical. That it really speaks to their ignorance because they didn't pick up on the genius until decades after they motherfuckers died. Mm-hmm. So in terms of peer review, it's a double-edged sword because on one hand, if you're a genius and you stand out, I wouldn't expect my shit to be peer reviewed. Why? Because I, I stand out alone among, you know, this is some genius work I'm putting forth. No, no you know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah no for this work. 
So when they say peer reviewed, they'll let you know, you know, okay, okay, okay. But we can still use that rubric. Okay. Well, my shit is peer reviewed by the overall black consensus. You see what I'm saying? My shit is peer reviewed by black folks. You know what I'm saying? They give Mick Ross shit 3.5 out of 5, my nigga. You know what I'm saying? Whatever. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know, however you, you pumping your shit in regards to peer You know what I'm saying? You can check the, my shit, you know. So you can always see the political savvy of the individuals by what their peer review is comprised of. Meaning, if I say my shit is peer reviewed by, by uh, you know, by red, black, and green, that lets you know my political awareness, right? Mm-hmm. Well, my shit is uh, peer reviewed from Harvard. I let you know you're dealing with a, 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 a conservative cracker, right? Well, my shit is peer reviewed by uh, broke-ass southern uh, uh, conservatives or, 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 or KKK members. They may not be KKK members on paper, but, you know, they may be on the guise of, of a white Protestant, whatever, you know what I mean? But you get the you get the overtone of their political organization by what they you know what I mean? By who peer reviewing it, and you can even have a, a whole African. There's enough African scholars. We have enough African scholars to peer review our own work. We got enough, and we don't need to send it in. To yes. And the only person who will say that we need to validate cracker shit is a motherfucker who don't know we got African work out there. That's you know what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Just look at how they, they contradict their own selves constantly because when they give you their definition of science, they say you're supposed to challenge what's presented. But when you challenge what's presented, they say it's pseudo because it's not peer review. Mm-hmm. If you have a you know if you have a challenging view, you got to present your view regardless of who reviewed it or not. You got to present your view if you challenge what the academia is saying. But they are automatically going to throw you in the pseudo section, mm-hmm. which makes them themselves uh, pseudo because they're not challenging academia. They're just following suit. So them themselves are the pseudos, right. casting the label on others to hide the light from themselves. I like how this brother thinks right here, man. <laughs> <laughs> There's two things going on, and, and, and anything, anything. This is how you gotta look at all shit that's, that's popping off in America, right? You got truth, and you have truth that's politically correct. You know what I'm trying to say? Black people, we like truth, no matter how it comes. But you, you can have good truth. You can have facts like a motherfucker, but then under the power of white supremacy. White domination is, is it politically correct? That's what's going on right now. So, in terms of Farrakhan trying to speak, he couldn't speak no truth at that Million Youth March or that Million Men March because he was so much trying to maintain political correctness. And by by maintaining political correctness, you can never speak truth because it's it's based on a fucking lie. So you could say some truth. We could be talking the truth right now. And motherfuckers will be offended by it because it wasn't politically correct. Oftentimes what's politically correct is not saying shit about the powers that be, right? So it's not politically correct to be listening to feet on the motherfucking ground, <laughs> for example. We're not a politically correct show because we're very much aware of the politics that's going on in this country. 
So it's, you're going to hear a lot of truth on this show. Anytime, I'll give you another one. Talk real solutions, them niggas. You'll never hear truth on this show. Why? Because Tyrone is so trying to maintain political correctness and trying to please everyone's political background, you can never get to the real topics because everything's political. Not because we make it, but because what we choose not to agree with and what we choose to speak on is being true for him, and that's wrong. The people who are the dirty motherfuckers who are in the shadow, the motherfuckers, get that's not politically right thing to say. And by you, what you choose to stand on and defend puts you in certain categories. Black pop. Oh. Oh. A hot chapter. We ain't, we ain't even turned the page yet. All right, I'm, I'm gonna continue with the you know the rest of this section. It's like a right. paragraph. Something to hold up. No, go ahead. Uh, so, all right. Um, having lost the honor of full manhood that comes only from the pride of racial worth and identity, the black man's mind generally operates favorably towards his white enemies and negative towards himself and his kind. No one knows this better than the whites. They have therefore had a free and unchallenged hand in reordering the land of the blacks as they saw fit, classifying and naming people, places, and things just as they pleased. The blacks were non-persons or non-nobodies in their own land. From one end of the continent to the other, black youth saw great monuments and statues of Europeans only, European and Arab names for African roads, hills, lakes, towns, and cities. One youngster whose ancestor had migrated from the north centuries ago stood gazing at the at a statue of Cecil Rhodes. He's in our school books too. He proudly informed his parents. The smile left as he asked, "But why are our great men forgotten? We never hear about them." As none could answer, there was silence. This particular group belonged to a family that was 2,000 miles from the known original home. This refers to the place that oral tradition declares to be the original home, but we know that the place of origin, often given in the oral record, means the place where the group lived for so many generations that previous home sites during these long, drawn-out migrations had been forgotten. What they had forgotten, however, was less tragic than their ignorance of some of the well-known facts of their more recent history as a people. The boy had raised important questions. They could not answer because they are blacks of Rhodesia. What? Little history they knew was white Rhodesian history, and this they could learn from Rose to Iron Smith. They did not know that they had been living for generations in the center of what was once one of the greatest black empires in Africa, nor 
nor had they had ever heard of the great African leader of that empire, Emperor Mututo. As every elsewhere, Rhodesian history history began with the coming of the whites. All before that is unknown prehistory. Thank you very much for that. Thank you. Thank you. So this is the replay of the same things. It's almost to the point, y'all, where I mentioned when my, my little brother asked the question, y'all, we, we, it seemed like in history, like we just popped up at the cotton patch. Listen to the story being told of a young man asking about his, his his ancestors. Where are our great men? And the parents being dumbfounded, not knowing because they were they were already thoroughly indoctrinated. And even go for them niggas see even even they even show you the shit was a myth in the movie Aladdin, right? What was in the movie? The little cartoon Aladdin. What was Aladdin's best friend name, y'all? Was that the monkey? Was he even human? Was he human? It was Abu the monkey. Abu. Now, last time I, you know, I was talking to an Arab. Abu ha me your uncle. I mean father. Abu ha me Abu mean father. Abu ha mean like your father. So I would say uh, Abu ha born like born's father, right? Abu will be my father, right? Why would Aladdin call that monkey father? I'll be a monkey's uncle. Look at that there. And and then a, a so-called African will support them teaching. We ain't never called no monkey father. The oldest deity is who? Is Raheru on the line? He got a nice piece on his neck. I think uh, uh, the, one of the oldest deities, but he was never the father. You see what I'm saying in terms of how we talked about coming from, you know, and changing. You even said he stand on that shit. That's cracker shit. Because okay. you got to do the proof of what we said. We'll say it again, brother. Say it again. <laughs> I don't know if you said it, but it's best. Best. And we didn't portray him in that light, you know what I'm saying? In, in regards to said he stand on there too. No, he wasn't no monkey. Brother uh, Ari Root, Brother Dandre. Oh, we got a call on the line. I want to come step in. And I got anything you want to add on? Just want to add that that cracker beast, uh, Cicero, was a filthy, savage bastard, and that said he also manifests with millions of our ancestors that he killed over there. 
who now they have a scholarship for, and if you get that scholarship, you know what your mind tastes like. The one the good old president got, gold scholar. That means you you well indoctrinated with the plan to destroy black people. And did he get a Nobel Peace Prize too? Yeah. And you know who Noble is. Noble is the one who created dynamite. So you know what type of peace they're talking about. They're talking about peace by peace. Okay. And, and he, he's the one who launched that, um, what's that, the, 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 the beer is mine, you know? Has any other president gotten a Nobel Prize while in office? I don't know. Did Jimmy Carter get one? Did the peanut man get one? Yeah, Carter got one. They gave, I don't know what the fuck. Jimmy Carter, Carter, Carter got one. I don't know what the fuck he got one for. Yeah, Jimmy Carter got one. He got one. It, was for, um, it must have been for that Iran, that, that, that yeah, hostage. It was, Iran, it was the, the Iran um, hostage. hostage. He, he said, what you call it over there? Who he said over there? Who did he say, y'all? Messi Did Jesse. he say Messi Jesse over there? Messi Jesse. Messi yeah, Jesse. he said Messi Jesse over there. Messi <laughs> Jesse. Yeah, you damn right. Messi Jesse went over there to go get them hostages back. I ask that because it, it, when when you mentioned Nobel, um, something that Dawa mentioned about the homosexuality on the back of it, and it's kind of ironic that under Barack's watch they fully implement their homosexuality agenda. Well, we see all You see, Carter came in. What was that? Um, Seventy. What was it, when Carter was there, what, 78, 79, some shit like that? Because yeah. the Reagan came in. Like, yeah. You know what I'm saying? So Carter was right there on the cut of all that. Soon as the niggas was wearing the tight-ass little spandex and all that shit. Yeah. All that, that crazy shit was going on right then and there, too. <laughs> all that shit go hanging in. All that shit ties in together. Yo, yo, I got to look at the back of the Nobel Prize. I got to look at the back of the medal, man. I didn't know they had no fags in the back. Yeah, that why I mentioned that on um on one of the shows y'all on one of y'all shows he mentioned that. Yeah. I, I must I must have missed it. I must have missed it. Well like I must have missed it. How bad I did. I'm about to go back and let's go back and relisten. Maybe hard oh, sometimes you'll miss some things. I'll be looking at the chat room, I might be doing some, you know what I mean? Right, saying down and something. Let me tell you, I was question to say it. I had to miss that. I had to miss that right there because I don't remember that. Thank you for the reminder, though. Yeah. Mm. All right, family. Anything else anybody want to add on to that section right there? This is the powerful section. This section right here, that the imperialist with the pen. Whoa. What a subsection right there. We had to read it twice. 
almost had to do it twice. To the caves, to the swamps. Here we go. The case to the swamp. We have been studying those people who were actually migrating from a highly advanced civilization to less advanced regions or regions not advanced at all, but who continue to rebuild new states until they were destroyed by the European invasion. Familiar? Since the representative numbers of these states appear in the following pages, the final words should be said about the vast numbers who found only caves and swamps as places of refuge and therefore built no state but sank lower and lower in hopelessness, ever-present fears of capture in a life that was not life but an animal life struggled to survive. I've referred to these before, but all too briefly. They are an inseparable part of the history of the race. Their savage state enables us to measure the distance from height, from the heights to level that so many of the race has fallen. It also may be the bold recognition on our part that serves as a guideline on the road back to greatness. Call them savages if that pleases you. But these were the blacks who retreat before the slave hunters. These were the blacks who had chose who had to choose between enslavement for life and that of all of their descendants and freedom. They did not hesitate. They chose freedom, even though it meant the loss of civilization. A civilization which they had, had which they had in fact already lost. To be slaves of Arab, Europeans, or Americans simply meant becoming the economic foundation of their civilization and the steady destruction of the civilization of the blacks. So all hail to the black savages, these noble ancestors who chose both freedom and death in preference to white enslavement. Freedom and death. Once the path they made in flight could be followed for days by their bloody footprints in the sand. The wind-blown sand had easily covered these up. Later, travelers and slave hunters could determine the various routes of flight by the skeletons found here and their fallen statues left by those who could not make it on. They were just generally disjointed and scattered. Sometimes it was a bony arm protruding from the windswept sands, a leg over there, a skull seeming to smile, peace at last. The bones of other thousands who died in flight were never seen. They lay buried forever under the tons of sand and rock that moved over much of the region. Masses of blacks found security in hills that were made inaccessible to both Arabs and Europeans. Such were blacks who isolated themselves in the strongholds of the Nuba Hills. They were never conquered, throwing back all invading army units that attempted subjugation and enslavement. Westerners point to their primitive state, to their nude and half-nude bodies, to the somewhat twisted Western mind, nakedness in public is indicative of the savage. The twisted mind becomes evident, and the same people do not find it necessary to explain the universality of white nudist colonies or naked bodies, not to mention sexual intercourse on public stages and screens. The reference to the, to the noble people, of course, is simple to give still another example of a people who had to make the grim choice between freedom and slavery, choosing freedom even when that choice meant isolation and, and 
among the very first weavers and cloth makers on earth could no longer wear clothes. These flights before the mighty firepower of the invaders became more general after 1400 A.D., even though guns after 200 years of development were still not widespread use in Africa. Only Europeans and Arabs were able to secure a limited supply of these precious and certain to conquer weapons. The blacks had nothing of the kind. Meanwhile, experimentation to improve various types of gunnery and speed up production was fanatically pushed. The successful outcome of this great venture in firepower was a prelude to the Industrial Revolution that was to change not only the material world, but what was left of the humane nature of man himself. It is not likely that the people were then generally aware that they were being slowly hemmed in from all directions. It is possible that many did not feel it without having any exact knowledge of being encircled. Although the danger might might be several hundred miles away where the hostile seas met the friendly land, other groups of wandering blacks headed for dismal swamps, still other dug, dug caves and hillsides. There were those who wandered aimlessly out into the scorching desert and died with their babies strapped on their backs and larger children clutched by their hands. This meant that the bleached skeleton of little babies and children greeted their eyes as though additional testimony was were needed to show how many of the young were included among those who could not make it, even the barber residents. All of those who survived in these various groups ended up in areas where they could do little more than survive. Even if they had not splintered off into small independent, independent societies, famine and disease would have reduced their numbers anyway. Therefore, as noted, therefore, as noted elsewhere, there were many firmly united groups that were so large that migrating as a single unit was impossible. Here, the very circumstances of this case demanded separation, estrangement, and isolation from the mother society. The eventual development of several new language groups, the disunity among the blacks that spread over the whole race, often developed from crisis situations over which they had no control in the awful struggle to survive. Uh, Black Power, we have the top of page 193. Only got one page to go. Would anybody like to take over at the top of page 193? Black Power. Nobody, all right. Y'all got volunteer. Uh, <laughs> 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 I know that's right. I'm at the top of page 193, the of the people. The millions who found security only in places of extreme isolation in caves, swamps, around a few precious water holes in deserts, and on inaccessible hills. None of these people were favored with the chance even to begin the building of their lost civilization. Far from being ashamed of these of them as savages, this chapter is a salute to them, a salute with pride that says to them all honor and all glory. Unlike the blacks we know most about, they could not build great kingdoms and empires. Many were far removed even from the fringes of an advancing world, yet they overrode the unceasing attacks of both death and hell and survived. What is more, they held fast the last line of freedom on the African continent. They held it against cannon fire to the very end. Even when colonialism swept over their land, they were never conquered. They had been wise enough to see both Islam and Christianity as just another route to slavery that fought and died to avoid. 
They remained steadfast in their own religion and therefore were called pagans. But all their children were born free, none in Muslim or Christian slavery. And their girls were never dragged off to become slaves in the harems of Arabs or as breeding girls for white men in the West. Finally, I refer to blacks who thought who go forth to move never left their homeland region. The Nova did not move very far from where they had lived from time immemorial. A far greater number of blacks held on in their ancient center after it was overrun, refusing either to leave or to be enslaved. They stayed and battled against the invaders, finally being concentrated in the southern provinces of the Sudan where the early history of their race in Egypt is still being repeated line by line. And this is why it is so easy to understand the history of the blacks to see very clearly how they were not only forced far back behind the advance of races, but also pushed to the lowest level of degradation. Well, that history is still being made today covertly and openly for all the world to see. The blacks are under pressure today in Baal-Gazam. Upper now and Equatorian are still fighting for survival against all conquering colored Arabs, just as their forefathers fought 5,000 years ago for the Mediterranean and Lower Egypt, to where they are now making lasting romantic history. Who needs it? They have been massacred by the hundreds and villages left in ashes, but they fight on. This all black region is kept isolated and cut off from the developments and high levels of life seen in the Arab dominated Sudan. These southern Sudanese have remained even in 1973, both primitive and pagan, just as their brothers elsewhere had to remain under similar circumstances. It was still the hunting ground for slaves. The blacks had to remain sharply alert at all times, for the modern slave traffic was covert, was covert, subtle, and often highly sophisticated. There were no outright raids. The slave agents may appear as employment officers seeking workers or representatives of schools offering free training for nurses teachers in various trades. I was told when I was working in this area that these tactics were successful for a long time because of the extreme poverty and the desperate need for jobs. The fighting that had begun, the fighting that had been going on constantly for 15 years has caused the same kind of migrations as most of these already described. Thousands have been migrating into any country that allowed them to enter. Even in this modern age, Many will never see those left behind again. They will scatter and settle amongst other people wherever they can. They will become lost in the merger, while their brothers and sisters stay behind and carry on the ancient traditions of fighting on agent, fighting on against overwhelming odds as long as they can stand. In this study, you must have noticed that the past and present are joined. We study our past for the, for the express purpose of learning what things made the race great in the past, that is what explains the frequent failures and weaknesses, and what in the light of that history we can do now if we have the will. This is what the study of history should mean for African people in particular. This chapter, chapter on the migration, for example, tells us much that is even alarmingly crucial, but how many of us care to grapple with its real significance? Who asks why is it that the black world forever uptight over South Africa and Rhodesia has remained silent about the 15 years of the slaughter of blacks in the Sudan? I ask four leaders of the I ask four leaders of the resistance of the southern provinces had ever appealed to the organization of African unity for help. We have been begging them 
ever since it started was a unanimous reply. Not for ours, but just to use in an influence to stop the burning of our villages and the massacre, massacre of our people. But you see, the white and brown Arabs actually control the policies of the Oasis. For us, that means they will, they will still control the blacks of Africa. Meanwhile, migrants still wander as of old. For them, freedom and independence are yet to become Africa. Black power. And that's the end of our chapter. Black power. Now, I know, I know somebody got something to throw in and add on. I know something was interesting. And I'm going to read this part right here again. In this study, you must have noticed that the past and present are joined. We study our past for the express purpose of learning what things made the race great in the past, what explains the secret failures and weaknesses, and what, in the light of that history, we can do now if we have the will. This is what the study of history should mean to African people in particular. This chapter on the migrations, for example, tells us much that is even alarmingly crucial, but how many of us care to grapple with its real significance. My power. Well, who else didn't want to grapple with this? This is an excellent chapter right here. Excellent chapter overall because um, a lot of the points that he made are points that, you know, here on, on Freedom of the Ground we, we start to stay on to. But a lot of, a lot of things on um, just understanding that we're dealing with a system that has already been set in place that is dealing with racism, white supremacy, and that. And 99% of the avenues that they uh, turn out, there's deception in them. Chance the way gave a, maybe a, you know, he, he started with a little bit more, but I was saying, you know, I'll hunt the symptoms of it. I'll say you can't trust nothing, they say, especially when it comes to science. But, you know, we're glad to have the great master, uh, great grandmaster teachers work here with us so we can lay that outline for why we go as we go over here on Freedom of the Ground and why we do not agree with um, certain thoughts is because we're not supposed to. It is our duty to challenge the silence. Ashe. And, you know, um, also in this uh, chapter, he showed, like, you know, when you get that question, which I've heard before people say, um, well, if Africans are so great, you know, how is it that the savage white man was able to conquer you? This chapter 
answer that question completely. He shows through the effects of migration. He shows how our people allowing them in and then, um, you know, interbreeding, teaching them um, another aspect of it. And then he shows, too, which is clear that uh, they made sure they kept the gun. This, You know, at least twice I recall where he's mentioned this in this chapter. Um, I'm on page 192. He says, only Europeans and Arabs were able to secure a limited supply of these, in quotation, precious and certain to conquer weapons, referring to guns, you know. Firepower. He mentions multiple times, uh, or mentions, and then, and also, which is um, equal to that, uh, saying firearms. So that's another uh, explanation as to why what has occurred to our people has occurred. You can't leave out the sandstones with the Sahara turning into a desert that forced a lot of our people south and away from the coastal areas as well. Well, that's what I that mean when I say migrations. Way. You know what I'm saying? I shaded that. But that, that that's what I'm inferencing into uh, the migrations aspect as well. Yeah, as I was just you know, when the superior weaponry came on the scene, it was something else. And as you said, you know, we were dealing with people who, you know, we we were dealing with African people who had no um, knowledge of this um, weaponry that the court case that came about with. As I said, I got a tell from a brother over here from Ghana who just tell the tales of how the cracker was able, the gun was so powerful that the cracker, like you said, he had limited supply. He was able to sit the gun in front of the doorway. And tell the black people that in order for them to go to the bathroom, they had to tell the gun. And if they didn't tell the gun, that they would die. And the black people had no understanding of what this gun was. They just knew that it made a noise. They didn't have an understanding of the projectile and all that. They knew it made a noise, boom, and you had a hole in you. That's what they knew. And so, you know, as I saying, a couple of your people's head blow up some shit like that, you know. And I guess it made them down. It made it docile them down. And I just want to say to the brother, uh, please forgive me because I I cut you off while you were speaking. I had to just check myself. No, oh, you're fine, Queen. You're you're definitely fine. Right. I hear you whistling. Come on in. Right. Come on. Heat. <laughs> That's all I can say, man. You, when you got work like this, man, you can. This will be your foundational, you know, this will be your foundational book right here, man, in regards to reference. 
good reference book. Because he, he left he left that chapter with something that resonates to resonate everybody. The idea of prehistory. Prehistory, even Europeans emphasize that prehistory. Prehistory is nothing European. It's nothing European. And what, what's very important too is when you listen to Dr. Clark, for example, he can go he's going through it. He'll hear his history class is going through 4,500 years. That's way beyond prehistory. And they got that recorded. Ain't that right? <laughs> Mm. Right, Paul. Anyone want um, Brother Cors? I see you out here. Uh, no, I see him out there. Anybody else want to add on any words to this uh, this powerful chapter right here? Well, I I like to. Yeah, brother yeah, Nicola, I hear what you're hearing. Um, that that little echo shit in the background. This um, where he um, I just want to repeat what the elder said. This chapter is a salute to them, a salute with pride. That says to them, all honor and all glory. And that's exactly what this chapter is here. Okay. He goes on to say, unlike the blacks we know most about, they could not build great kingdoms and empires, as he's already laid out in the uh, preceding pages, or prior pages. Many were far removed even from the fringes of the advancing world. Yet they overrode the unceasing attack of both death and hell and survived. What is more, they held fast the last line of freedom on the African continent, and they held it against cannon fire to the very end. Even when colonialism swept over their land, they were never conquered. That's black power. And then he goes on to say, because that, that next part is, is, again, just fire here. They had been wise enough to see both Islam and Christianity as just another route to the slavery they had fought and died to avoid black power. Black power. You read this and you still like Brother Rick Ross, you read that and you still a Muslim? Mm. You still a Christian? Okay, somebody got us on the hangout? Nah, that was my, that was okay. my phone. Okay. You just start ringing. The last part, which is also important right after that, they remained steadfast in their own religion and therefore were called pagans. But all of their children were born free. None in Muslim or Christian slavery. None in Muslim or Christian slavery. And their girls were never dragged off to become slaves 
in the harems of Arabs or as breeding girls for white men in the West. Black power. Long live the spirit of those ancestors. Mm-hmm. And this and this really, really, it gives you an insight. He's breaking down, really, that, you know, this is uh, prehistory for integration and looking at it at its raw context. Integration to some context, in some sense, is really integrating into a power structure. And and, and oftentimes, as, as this work of history is showing, is that it's at the compromise of one nation's power to another. They give us the, the, the illusion that integration is two parties sitting down and, hey, man, we're just going to blend up, man. Let's just mix it up, you know. Let's just, let's just do it, bro. When actuality... Integration is one power structure who cannot be in power with the functioning culture. And that functioning culture must then integrate into the culture of the powers that be. That is protocol for IE African people. Because John Henry Clark said, Chester Williams said it, that all imperialist conquerors all went inward on African image identity, and culture. And it has been us who've had to use, you know, have had the hand, have had mandates of integration handed to us as this chapter is going through. This is a mandate of integration. So these are two things to look at in terms of war. For those who don't like to read but like military, that's one thing to look at right there. Integration. Is the compromising of one culture and the integrating into another simply because the because you got to give you got to give credit to the culture that'll make that because the culture is giving you credit by saying you got influence and power enough influence and power that if I let you you know linger you convert my motherfuckers and eventually you be at my doorsteps if not in my bed. So I'm I'm more comfortable with you integrating, you know. I don't, you know, I'm take the bone out your nose, and you know, look, 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 you know. If we so sad, why is so much effort being placed on trying to civilize so-called savage people? That's the first question you got to ask. Human beings are very caring, but human beings are often looking after. Why would the most neediest people on the planet? who geographically have nothing of importance in terms of politics and nothing in terms of resource, will take it upon themselves with all the shit they got to worry about, feeding their own, but they'll take upon, they, they feel the noble leadership role to save the world and bring civilization. If you believe that shit, you just as lost. You know what I mean? That's a fucking myth that has to be put in place. Because it has to be put in place to give them rationale for, for uh, colonializing the world, colonializing information, colonializing culture. Segregation. Here it is. They created segregation and forgot that it was separate and, 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 and unequal, but that wasn't going to last long <laughs> because it will, never, it will always be separate and unequal because they set the system up to be separate and unequal and they favor them. But they can only do that in this false-ass concrete jungle environment because nature will always be on our side. You see what I'm saying? 
So it will never be fair because if that was the case, there would be no need to conquer other people. If it was always fair and equal, or if always segregated and equal, nature would be just as forgiving on us as it has been the crackers. And that ain't the case. Yeah. Even if it's separate and equal, it's going to turn unequal because nature is going to favor us anyway. Mm-hmm. It ain't going to work out. Balance, balance is not 50-50 anyway. And no such thing as 50-50 equality. The devil made that up. Yeah, you don't have to. You don't have to have 50-50 to have balance. I mean, nothing on this planet is absolute. You got some compounds on this earth that's 80% this, 20% that. But it's a nice balance of the, you know what I mean, of, of however small or however much. You know what I mean? Good... Balance is having 100%. Long as y'all get that 100% in, because you, you can have, I, I learned this, like, you can have $99, right? Your sneakers cost $100. No matter what that $99, you go to that store, you're not getting them shoes. So in reality, your $90, your $99 ain't worth shit unless I give you my one. So my one now is is, is, is valuable or more valuable than your 99, depending on what you want. So that one just makes that balance. Give you that 100%, that whole. So my shit is as important as yours. As long as I'm giving all of my one, as long as I'm giving all of my one, then it's balanced. You just have to give it all yours. Mm-hmm. That might be all you can get. Oh, yeah. That's that's the basic, you know, if you need an example to give anybody why we should integrate with certain powers that be and why we should question certain powers that be, send them right to this book, if not this chapter. Because the, the context that these Negroes are setting up is that just like God, you can't question the word of God. And the word of God was taught to you through a white man. It's the same thing in regards to you can't question science because it's given to you by white man. So, you know, that's something to keep in mind right there. That's bullshit. You should be in a position to question anything, you know what I mean? And regardless if it's politically correct or not, you know what I'm saying? Because the worst, the, the, the best scientists are the ones who give their honest results. And it's like, what do you mean honest results? Yes. You can you can set up a motherfucking science uh, 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 an experiment, and you might get the the opposite results of what you sought to find, and then that will be the test of your merit right there. Are you going to publish the honest work that you found, or are you going to say the shit's incomplete because you didn't find what you was expecting for, and continue on what you're doing or leave it alone? You see what I'm saying? It's in that 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 shy moment right there when you choose to say, man, you know what I'm a this shit, you know what I mean? I, and that's how a lot of accidental science came, trying to prove white supremacy in regards to us. All life came out of Africa by accident. They weren't looking for that shit. They were looking to prove the superiority of white folks. You accidentally found out that, damn, the nigga got it all. He's been here since, you know what I mean? <laughs> they turned us to eight. That's why they turned us to eight. Right. That's why we had to be apes, right. Right. That's why Mesopotamia is the first civilization, even though we all came out of Africa. 
because niggas couldn't produce a civilization. Oh, not eight people. They had to be they were different in jungle life, right? Had to be Aryans. Had to be the first, the first of the whites to the areas did it. That's why these niggas be running. Listen, you saying that niggas just tried to tell me that Aryan mean a higher class, and it was the people who came up out of Mesopotamia, the the new uh, bloodline. Niggas was just talking this shit to me. Just talking this crazy shit. I'm like, yo, you gotta be out of your mind with this man. That civilization started in Mesopotamia because that's what the word Aryan means. How do you connect Aryan to Mesopotamia? God damn, I thought they was in India. That's what I thought. I said, what is this? That's why they said the Aryan, did he, did he told me that Aryan ain't got nothing to do with the Indians. It got to do with, it means, uh, like an imperial bloodline or some shit. I said, nigga. If you can't, you know, first thing when you hear about a people, the first thing, if you don't know about the culture of the people, the first thing you get by their title is where they're from, right? You say, uh, motherfuckers just say, well, the, the, uh, I'm trying to think of some of these motherfuckers dumb and say, uh, 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 what's the word I heard today? That they were ancient, uh, oh, Canaanites. Or the fuck is Canaan? Because the title, the title Canaanite is not emphasized on Canaanite cultures, on Canaanite is the, is the geographical location, right? Mm-hmm. Nubia, that's a context of geographical location, right? Mm-hmm. Because there's a whole land area named Nubia. Now, if you're talking about civilization cultures that don't have a general location of geography name, I'll give you one, Phoenician. Where's Phoenicia at? Me and born, me and born, we still, me and brother born, we got that reward out. And, and brother, hey, Ru, we, call, we, got, it's just cool. we got the reward out. If you motherfuckers can show us the... Land of Phoenicia. Black pals. He's a thousand dollar reward for you, motherfuckers. Where is Phoenicia, y'all? I've been looking far up, down, low. The 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 wine people who 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 taught Latins how to write. <laughs> the ship the the they were uh, merchants of the sea. The sea people who wore purple. And Jesus wore purple on Palm Sunday. Damn, I'm lost. But yeah, them people. Where is Phoenicia? The why they call Phoenicians. You know they use that purple. That purple mean they was royal, like you said, like when Jesus wore. Yeah, Jesus wore purple on Palm Sunday, didn't he? If you notice, if you notice, that was the dominant color. Woo! The AME church is red, black, and green. But when the AME church was visited by President Obama, after that shooting, everybody was Grape Street down, wasn't they? Purple down. Purple, every purple city in that motherfucker. Purple city, purple city. They was graping out there. They was graping. Looked like it anyway. Because if they were wore red, black, and green, it would have made a visible connection to us. Well, I got to tell you, that uh, rally, uh, protest, whatever you want to call it, that was held in New York, it was very interesting to see the minister, the preacher, 
in a red, black, and green robe with the onk embroidered on it. You bringing that up. And then you got Farrakhan, who ain't got none of that on. You know, nothing representing Africa, our our colors. Nothing. Nothing. Not even in his words. And as much as I don't agree with the religions of perversion, you can at least see that the brother's mind is trying to regrasp the roots. Well, it goes back to that history, Brother Mikarad just dropped, right, King? Mm-hmm. How? The, what was the colors you said of the AM, AME church? Red, black, and green. And green. The African. When they, when they talk about uh, Marcus Garvey being... A Christian. They never talk about what Christian he was. You know, you notice that they never talk about what sect of Christianity he was from. Mm, excellent point. You know, it's always implied that he was a Catholic because he was from Jamaica. There's an implication there, but you're right. As far as I'm concerned, we all we're all victims of Protestant crackerism. Jamaica is a product of England. England are the architects of Protestant Christianity when they split from the Catholic Church. Check. So the oldest form of African Protestant Christianity, meaning African Christianity under the yoke of white Protestant oppression, is the AME Church, 1700s. Y'all check it out. Look it up. Or maybe it might be 1800s, 1700s. It's the oldest church, the oldest black church. Because the first one. We got this shit up here. We're in New Haven. I think where you at, huh? Where it originated, huh? That's the first Amy Church, huh? We, we got this shit on the corner. 17 something. Uh, no, like 18, 19, or something like that. We got we got it on the corner. I, I have to pull it up. Yeah, somebody, uh, 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 somebody uh, in the uh, field on the ground library, uh, uh, Hall of Records, can somebody go check that up, please? Yeah, I know we got one here. It might not be the oldest, but I know it's old as hell. But I'm happy for Sister Camille book there to let you know, even though he was a black pastor, the fact that he wore red, black, and green and had an uncle let you know his ears to the streets. He knows what's going on. He knows what we're in tune with. He knows who's visual. You see what I'm saying? Like what Malcolm X said, and these so-called black leaders don't know what's going on in the black community. Farrakhan so much out of tune, been out of tune with our fucking conditions for so long, he may not even know we back on our red, black, and green shit with the hunt. <laughs> he don't be in the community like that. That nigga's having meetings with crackers and trying to please crackers, eating cheese, and, you know, eating, you know, white folks like cheese. He's out there eating cheese and smiling all the time, wearing bow ties. You don't know nothing. Bow ties and berets don't mix. Y'all know this, right? Oh no no no! We got the um. No, nah, it's a different church. It's a different church. No, nah, this is this this United Church of Christ. This is eighteen hundreds. Okay. That's that shit. That that's still uh, old. But look at the uh, just just pull up uh, uh, AME Church. You know history. AME Church. I think it's Philly. I think that's Philly. With a it is Philadelphia. And what's interesting, 
it is the same year of the Constitution, 1787. It's interesting. Well, they always remind us there was a Christopher Atticus who was the first motherfucker to die during the Revolutionary War. Yeah, was a Negro. Yeah, Christopher Atticus. That lets you know right there, like, damn, the first motherfucker on the front line for American Revolution was a Negro. When we gonna see that type of valor for white folks? When we gonna see the cracker jump on the on the red coat? And the red coats are coming, and and the cracker gets shot down, trying to warn us that the, that the crackers is coming. <laughs> that won't even sound right, huh? That's what they had you and me to believe that Christopher Columbus did, right? He was like a good ass guard dog. Ooh, ooh. He was, he was, he. That nigga jumped on his horse like like Ruckus from. From uh, <laughs> from Boondocks, that one uh, the red coast is coming, and died on this horse telling motherfuckers, right? Or is that Paul Revere? Am I getting my history fucked up? Hold up, what, what, no, no, that's Paul Revere. The British is coming. The red coast. Mm-hmm. I forgot how Christopher Atticus died. Did he die on the front line, brother born? I'm off this good uh, L.A. Confidential right now, so. I'm, I'm getting it right now. I'm getting it right now. A monument honoring addicts and the other victims of the Boston Massacre. Mm. He died in Beanstown, huh? Ain't that where Farrakhan from? Yeah, he died in Boston. Hold on, hold on. Over that tea stuff, over that tea stuff. Atticus belonged to the Tea Party? Is that what you said? Who made you say that? Atticus with having undertaken to be the hero of the night and precipitated conflict by his mad behavior. But, uh, let me see. Some type of trial went on with the brother. Hold on. Let me read. I'm going to read. I'm going to read. Arguing the soldiers fired in defense, John Adams successfully defended most of the accused British soldiers against the charge of murder. Two of the soldiers were found guilty of manslaughter. Faced with the prospect of hanging, the soldiers pled benefit of clergy and were instead branded on their tongues. In his argument, Adams called the crowd a motley rabble of saucy boys, Negroes, and mulattoes, Irish teens, and outlandish jack tars. In particular, he charged Addicts with undertaking to be the hero of the night and with having precipitated a conflict by his mad behavior. Two years later, they named it the Boston Massacre. Paul Revere made a copy from which prints were made and distributed. Some copies print show a dark-skinned man with chest wounds, presumably Christmas addicts. The five who were killed were buried as heroes. Damn, this shit is some... Hold up, man. There's some bullshit I'm reading right here. They jumping the fuck around. I need, I, I need, I need something more. All right. Here we go. First casualty of the 
shot and killed in what became known as the Boston Massacre, all right, and then that's when they supposed to capture these, these crackers. Um, Interesting. And they said for years the debate goes on about whether or not he was a rabble rouser or, you know, a hero. But one thing for sure, he was, uh, they called, they called, considered him to be a double spy. Is that what they're saying? He was a double agent. He was double a Negro for the British and America. Is that what they're saying? Nah, nah. Nah, nah. Nah, nah, I don't think that's what they're saying. Read it again. Read it again. He was what? Christmas Addicts, a black man, became the first casualty of the American Revolution when he was shot and killed in what became known as the Boston Massacre. Although Addicts was credited as the leader and instigator of the event, the debate raged for over, uh, for over a century as to whether he was a hero and a patriot or a rabble-rousing villain. And that was in regards to... Uh, Well, some people would consider 007 to be a fucking traitor. Some would call him to be a patriot. Wouldn't you agree? Some people would consider, you know, it's a thin line between being uh, a hero and a terrorist. Or or, or nowadays it is a hero and a... I'm trying to find a good political term to use for this motherfucker. I can't think of one off the wham, but in, 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 that's, that's basically what it is. All right, this is what happened. This is what happened. Then, uh, on Friday, March 2nd, 1770, a group of, group of about 30 cats got together. They said it was um, throwing rocks and insulting some uh, red coat soldiers. Um, said seven other soldiers came to the lone soldier's rescue, and Alex was one of the five men killed when they opened fire. They dug the event, the Boston Massacre, and its victims became instant martyrs and symbols of liberty. Despite laws and customs regulating the burial of blacks, addicts was buried in the Park Street Cemetery along with the other honored dead. Now, they said he was an instigator. Now, back then, just like now, they're not finna send 700 soldiers for a few motherfuckers unless a few motherfuckers putting it down. Listen, right? Check this out. Check this out. Adams, who became the second American president, defended the soldiers. He defended the British soldiers in court against the charge of murder. Yeah, too, because he was still a slave. He was a Negro. Regardless, listen to listen. That's why I was listen. How he's an escape goat. Cause listen, listen, listen. Regardless if it's for the side of the British, him he couldn't be a hero for the British. Nor the Americans, because he was a they they would they would know him as slave property back then. But they it's clever how they using him though. You understand my argument? Mhm. Well, all right. How? Same thing. said. said. You have you know during World War Two, you had German war soldiers on the same. They was able to eat in the chow hall 
with American soldiers because they were still white men, while black soldiers couldn't even, you know what I mean, eating the same chow hall as, as, as white soldiers. But the, but the Nazis could during World War II when they got captured. So that was an argument between two white folks. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I say, and you know, it also helps to twist our, our perspective on history using this black man on the side of those that wanted to keep us in chattel enslavement. You know, um, Professor Gerald Horn's work, Counter-Revolution, um, breaks that down. And John D. Jackson's work, um, Ages of Gold and Silver, alludes to that, you know, he does, uh, Gerald Horn's World Counter-Revolution deals with that in specific detail, where John G. Jackson um, speaks of it in, in a generality, you know, that's left out, it's a lie, this uh, shit about uh, taxation without representation, yeah, if you're talking about our ancestors, who hold three-fifths in the Constitution, is based upon uh, not being taxed fully, you know what I'm saying? We property and shit. We ain't even considered human. Fuck three-fifths. According to that shit in the Constitution, you're not even, we're not even considered human. ISIS is not even considered fucking, excuse me, considered human. Okay? It's about them beasts uh, not getting taxed fully on this cargo. Because mm-hmm. it's so numerous. Yeah. You can't give me full tax on this cargo. That's that bullshit. So you, we see how they, uh, histor, um, as Dr. Amos Wilson calls it, excuse me for being hyper family and having trouble with my words, but as Dr. Amos Wilson calls it, uh, European histography, i.e. lies and myths and motherfucking effects. That's what it is. Because look, look, break, break, listen to what Sister Camille just said in, in, in life. What would the fuck Christopher Atticus be doing as a as a as a slave? Having what would he say be doing anything doing with the Boston Tea Party? That's what's going to apply to him. Now at this point, he wasn't a slave no more. At this point, he wasn't a slave. slave. No, argument. I, I, listen, I'm not discussing what you're saying. But I'm just I'm just giving the history that at this point he wasn't a slave no more. He had been he had ran off assumed a new identity of some sort and went off to be a seaman and a merchant and shit like that. You feel me? Uh, um, he now just, like Noble um, Drew Ali, huh? Yeah, I port, ported. Did Noble Drew Ali uh, sail? Did he steal a little bit of his biography from Christopher Atticus? <laughs> it just sounds suspect because the context of the argument or in America at that time is England flooded the, 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 the shores of America with they with their failures. These failures got land, became somebody and, and considered America a new start. Why the fuck we gotta pay this bitch taxes? That's argument. Nigga, that shit don't apply to me. We ain't in Britain no more. You know, you had you had dukes and lords. Like, yeah, nigga, your father was a motherfucking nobody, nigga. You're fucking McLaren. You're nothing. Yo, you know what? So we started to come well, and the motherfuckers came out. I got land now in America. Got a, I got a nice uh, Indian woman I raped since she was 13 now, and I got some land. 
I got a business now. Why the fuck y'all still asking us for taxes? Yo, listen, right? You know, that's some, that's some slick shit. Because I can see the small hat scheme in this. Because the number one thing that would have been getting taxed was the motherfucking slaves. Because you're making so much money off of them. So they wanted to break off and listen, man. We getting taxed too hard on British with these motherfuckers over here. Y'all need to get away from them. So we'll put an emphasis on some other shit that y'all getting taxed on. To make y'all see that y'all shouldn't be getting taxed by them. Y'all way over here. But really, but really, we worry about getting taxed on this other shit. But we're saying it's because we're getting taxed on this. You know, we'll talk about the Boston Tea Party. But in the other one, they didn't want to keep getting taxed by it. Because, you know, Britain was taxing their ass for having them slaves over here, bringing them, them Jews was getting fucking slaughtered on that. You know how much money you make here? The question, the question asked is: Given the social status of Christopher Atticus, can he even be in a position to make any claim to the Queen at that part in history? I don't know if he does. That's, that's what I'm saying. I, I didn't read nothing where it was like he was making a claim to the Queen. What was the whole contention with the Revolutionary War then? It's, it's just funny for me how, because by them using, I'm, cause I'm familiar with the history of Christopher Atticus, but the way they use it, Christopher Atticus, it, it, you know, the way you just broke it down right now, how it's been the discussion with Chester Williams said it, looking from his perspective, it, that just sounds funny because it omits their failures. Fuck them trying to include us into you know, believe in that it was because slavery still went on afterwards. We know this to be true, but for them to say that the first casualty, I will say this about Christopher Atticus: the only reason that they decided that shit because Christopher Atticus died. He wasn't one. He he had he had some influence, some crackers, some important crackers, who died on accountability of of his uh, insight. And that's what left. You see, I could, I could see that as being a fact. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, that, because that's what we have, even under bondage. It was, it was other, it was other people who died. So there's some crackers who died with him at the same time. You know what I'm saying? He wasn't the only one who was killed at that at that time. The British soldiers killed more than just him. But we, I would say this: he was the leader. But they, uh, given yeah. given the title of his martyr, they martyred him as being the first motherfucker to die in the Revolutionary War. Right? Yeah, because because when they went to trial, that's what that's what they hit it with is that that uh, Christmas Addicts was the one who instigated the situation. That's how that's how Addicts and them painted it. That the Christmas Addicts is is the Negro who who uh, did this shit. You can only instigate shit when you when you have power or influence or leadership, right? Cool. So what I'm saying, what I'm saying is, it's funny how on one hand, Negroes are ne- savages living a jungle life under slavery, but on the other hand, we very intelligent and, and charismatic. They won't, they can't give him that title. That's too much. Prophetic, but but he, he was charismatic. That was obviously instigated events that led to the revolutionary war for white folks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> wow. 
Uh, family, I, I like to share something um, in relationship to what um, we've been building on. And this is from, um, I, I normally don't quote from him, but this is um, shows you um, the depth of the uh, insanity of European um, histography. Um, this is uh, Africa's Gift to America by A.J. Rogers. The spirit of suppressing uncomfortable facts is very much alive. Voltaire said history was a lie. Napoleon called it a fable and greed on. John Quincy Adams, who made history himself, wrote in 1822, the public history of all countries and all ages is but a sort of a mask, richly colored, Thus, the interior working of the machinery must be foul. These strictures are, to a large extent, still true. American history has been prettified until it now looks like a Christmas shop window. He goes on to share how um, this author, Tinker, um, who was authority on Louisiana life and history, um, illustrates this in an article entitled Whitewashing. And he tells how he eagerly um, um, went to seek the letters of uh, Lafcadio Hearn, another famous Louisianian. He went to a wealthy and famed private library in New York City, which he heard had them. There he learned to his horror they had been destroyed by relatives. The Hearn letters were smutty, said the librarian. But, says Tinker, he was in for a still greater shock. The librarian went on to boast how she had destroyed letters of George Washington. Tinker tells the story thus. But that's nothing, she continued with perfect slang Freud. I've destroyed right in this very room letters written by George Washington. I became rudely indignant. I wanted to ask rude questions as to her qualification for the post of ex-purgator um, to the father of her country. I sat on the safe, safety valve, however, as a cool voice continued. Oh, yes, they were smutty, too. So I did not ever want them to become public and destroy the ideal of Washington that had flourished so long. It was only a question of money. A large sum had been paid for the letters. Could we afford to pay the price and then destroy our investment? We could and did. But I spotted the strain becoming too great. Do you think it was right to aid this suppression? Nay, destruction of evidence to the manufacture of a purely apocryphal historical character? Yes, was the calm retort, even if only served to keep alive in our schools the story of the cherry tree. This story, by the way, was a pure concoction of piercing wings. Just want to share that with the family. You see how far they are? See the extent of histography? 
the levels they will go to, we have a right to question everything they done put out here, calling it science or what history, which is a science, all of it. Mm-hmm. And thank y'all for letting me share that. Well, right on, Queen. You know the mic is yours. Good you morning. That was right on time. Right on time. That was some heat right there. Mm-hmm. Let's tell us right in our place. That's what it's shown. History has been a bitch of a book burner, so that's a good, that was a good point. Listening to y'all brothers talk is what made me think of that, and I had to figure out where did I remember that from. I haven't read that book in a very long time. So black power to y'all because, and again, it shows the extent that they will go to continue the lies of white supremacy. George Washington was a savage fucking beast. Mm-hmm. But I had the to, law of the law. I had to destroy the letters, though, because you want at least the kids to remember the cherry tree. Okay. What a lie. We want at least them to remember the lie about the tree. What the fuck was Not crossing the Delaware, none of that. Not even the first president, none of that. You don't want to remember this. At least we want to remember the cherry tree. Now, what does that stand for? Because that got to be some deep science right there, the cherry trees, if that's all they want to make sure you remember. You know, cherries is um, representative of testicles. A certain ritual. So what could this mason be doing with the cherry tree? That they got to make sure you remember that. Lie. Tell your kids that. That's how they make sure you remember as an adult. But they teach you this shit as a baby. Who was he making impotent here? Bringing us over, making us impotent. Embedded in the psyche from the cracker from the top to the bottom. You know, this is a library. A library, right? A lie. A library. Okay, now. Right? Library. Right. He's burying plenty of lies with that. <laughs> we'll keep them buried. You understand what we're dealing with. Well, with that being said, though, that was a perfect way to set the show off for the end. And we're going to head out to the to the chill out. We're going to get a new boom, and, you know, we're going to uh, it's a rule show. When we bring a brother Don Dre, come on into the into another room. We bring another room in, and then we we get it in. With that being said, though, we definitely thank everybody for coming out. Please tune in. Slaughterhouse Saturday. We plan on getting it in. 
Over the weekend, I was a couple special guests who need to be on that hot seat. But let's believe next week, all week, we're going to have sort of house week. We're going to be on it hard, body, baby. We're doing a lot of study and a lot of research, making sure everything is backed up. And, uh, you know, we'll have that seat heated up. Bring your blades. Bring your own uh, carbon vest and all that good stuff. You know what I mean? Um, but thank you. Thank everybody for coming out tonight, going through this Grandmaster Teacher's work, Think Tank Thursday, Destruction of Black Civilization by Chancellor Williams. We go out by the same way that we come in, and that's with a crazy Nat Turner, Gordy Garvey. Oh, hold up. Sort of how Saturday, that would be 9.30 p.m. Eastern, 6.30 on the west side, the best side. Now. Praise Nat Turner, glory to Garvey, long live the spirit of Dr. Kotler Abdul Muhammad. Praise Harriet Tubman, glory to Ida B. Wells, long live the spirit of Sister Fanny Lou Hamlin. A big forward yet. Crash getting the trunk. I'll make it too. Haverty's Furniture is here to help you get your home all set for the new year so you can set the stage with more style, set the bar more beautifully, and set a more show-stopping table. Let's set some time aside to settle in on a new sofa together because being at home shouldn't mean having to settle for less. And Haverty's Furniture can help you start the new year off right at their holiday savings event so you can create the perfect setting. And right now, everything's on sale store-wide. 